Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys very much for being back with us here. It is Monday, August the 17th, 2020, and it is episode number 189. Here to romp you through the world of retro wrestling, as always, I'm Joe Murata. That's Michael Quinn. How you doing, Michael? How did he 189! There you go, Michael. There you go. Everyone gets it. The ceremonial. <laughs> That's it, like the Larry Zabisco hand wave of the 89, they, not, or the episode that ends in nine episode. They'd be very upset if you didn't do it, Quinn. Yeah. And uh, folks, thank you so much for being with us here. We're going to romp you through, as we always do, the world of retro wrestling. Episode number 189, as Quinn just proclaimed for us. That means next weekend, the season is over. Yeah. Can you believe that? Another season in the books, in, in the, the bag. Book. Yes, that's right. Maybe if it's portable, right? Yes, and what you, you can do is take your portable device and go to at OVP Podcast on Twitter. The reason you might want to follow us on Twitter is clips. Yes, clips. Now, it's wrestling clips is, is what it yeah. is. Wrestlingclips.com slash OVP Podcast. We've literally been doing the SummerSlam all month long for August. Right. Literally the SummerSlam, though. The. There's, there, a, there's even a Brett video of him just saying the SummerSlam a lot. Yes, thank you to Richard Land for that one. So if you want to follow us for drama-free wrestling clips, it's at OVP Podcast on Twitter. You can also email us if you want to at ovppodcast at gmail.com. That's Podcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, in addition to the clips and the emails, there's a really nice place if people want to talk to you and me and hundreds of other retro wrestling fanatics in a non-dramatic way. Right. Over at uh, facebookclips.com slash Podcast. There you go. We got a this new site. Every yeah. week. Yes. Every week it's a new address. Now, what happens over there? Well, they have a search bar at that fantastic website. And in that search bar, you type our vantage point dash retro wrestling podcast. Bing, bang, boom, tubes, gore, kaflui. You click the group button and you're in. That's it. You just agree yeah. to one rule and, and it's literal there's yeah. one rule to join this group that you agree to and that rule of course quinn is what don't be don't be a dingus. dingus that's right right now what is a dingus i want you to think just think about it you know on the internet here the adequate the netiquette adequate etiquette. <laughs> quit that etiquette okay, quit that etiquette stop being a dingus if you're gonna type something and you're like oh man this sounds like i'm being a dingus hit uh, escape or delete or we should get like you control know how like, x delete you know how there's like spell check we should get make an extension that like detects if you're being a dingus and it like highlights it in red. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? Any dingus related words there? Perfect. Yeah, yeah. No, but really the whole point in all seriousness is if you just want to talk to people that like the old wrestling the way you do, maybe some of the stuff that you don't like, go to our Facebook group. We really just mean be nice to each other. Be respectful. There's enough crap out there. We try to have a place where people are just nice. That's all. Mm-hmm. That's literally all it is. Like, it's going to be a nice internet place. <laughs> <It's> a- <laughs> That'd be a great t-shirt, yeah. actually. Nice internet place. <laughs> OVP Facebook. A nice internet place. And uh, later on in the show, I'm going to shout out our Patreon. We have one. It's only at the most $5 a month. And what you get for that is every single pay-per-view 
in order. Quinn and I started with WrestleMania 1 right now, out now, hot off the presses, freshly hatched is Survivor Series yeah, 1990. But incubated all hot and stuff yeah, right. in the arena, remember? Exactly. So, And then the Survivor Series podcast popped out. Yep. Like fell off the gobbledygooker's like shirt or something, yeah, or whatever right, he wears. Right out of Hector's costume. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Uh, more info to follow. But Michael, we're winding it down here, which means we only have two left of this opening segment that I've quite enjoyed. How about you? You've liked yeah, it? It's been fun. It's been fun. It was your idea. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I, it's like been it. my dream for years. <laughs> it it's, it's just this segment. And this, what, is, this is the culmination of the entire show, this, this one is it. segment. We're done after this, folks. Yeah, we'll never be able to top it, obviously. <laughs> now, what this was is, uh, you know, if you look back in the retro wrestling's past, right, a lot of times you're going to see throughout the years these new wrestlers come in, these fresh faces, hot young studs, blue chippers, lots of potential, climbing the ladder. You have your John Cena's. Right. Your young Randy Orton's. Of course. Chris Jericho. Rocky Maivia. Ever heard of yeah. him? Oh, sure. uh, man. I You know, when he came, I was like, that's a young up-and-comer. And, <laughs> right. then, and then he came. But then... You know, there's there's times where this doesn't work out for whatever reason it might be. And all season long, we have been talking about, Quinn, the up and comers that never came. It's it's sad. It is. If it's, you, it's a sad thing. It's not nice. Now, Quinn, this was my pick this time around. And I had to do this one because you and I are well-versed in this man from watching 82 and 83. We're, we're experts, I think. The one and only Salvatore Bellomo. Making his first appearance in this arena, here is Salvatore Bellomo. And Sal Belomo, when he came into the WWF in 1982, he was already like 31. Right. He had but been he, wrestling. To be fair, he looked like Balky, so they, <laughs> you know you could get away with saying he was like really young. He looked. He could have passed for like 27, right. 28. He uh, came on. He came on the truck. America burst. Yes. And then right. he, they dropped him off at Allentown or whatever. Wrigley Field, whatever. Yeah. Whichever one you want to go with. It's going to be interesting to see how this European style to see if he can adapt indeed to the. More wide-open type of American style. Don't be ridiculous. Now, he had debuted uh, as an actual wrestler all the way back in 1974, so he was an eight-year vet when he joined the WWF, but the fact that you've pretty much never heard of him <laughs> before that, yeah, he did do things, believe it or not. He was in some NWA territories. Did he have a different name or something? Yeah, actually oh. he did. He was sometimes known as Salvatore Martino. From Italy, Sal Martino. And he had won a couple of titles. He won the uh, NWA America's Tag Team Championship. You know, <laughs> just that alone. I love you your disgust. Even, it doesn't even need to, as long as it has some extra crap on it and, and NWA, it's not a real title. How about this one? The NWA Canadian Tag Team Championship. Yeah, what was Vancouver, that? A the Vancouver version. Yeah. Oh, just the Vancouver. On top of just being Canadian, it's the Vancouver version. I think it was a hat, actually. <laughs> and you want to know who we won it with one of the times? Uh, who? Mike Sharp. Of course. It's very fitting, well, he right? he is Mr. Canada exactly. or whatever. Like Canada's strongest man. Yes. Now, he also won the NWA Pacific Coast Heavyweight Championship <laughs> Vancouver version. <laughs> oh, my. How many additives on these titles, right? It's, it's just like very conditional championships. But anyway, he, let's go to his WWF run because that's really what that's where he was touted as like this up and comer. Right. Was in the WWF, right? So he comes in and his hair can best be described as a shaggy mop kind yes, of like, yes. it really it's like unkempt it's like it's like it looks like it's supposed to be long but it isn't you know what i'm saying like it's like 
if it was long, maybe he would actually look decent. But instead, it's like, no, he cut it too short and it's like curly at the end. Yeah, it actually looks like latter day cousin Larry. Right. If we're really being honest. I mean, the Balky connections are all there. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of Balky connections here because he's got this air of they don't say that he's Belgian. He's really Belgian. What? I thought he's from Italy. Okay. Yeah, he's actually Belgian, probably in Italian, but from Belgian, right? Wow, and, I didn't uh, know that. They play up the Italian like 100%. He's got the red, white, and blue, like, Parmesan fucking tights. <laughs> and I'm an Italian, so, you know, no offense, but... You, you wear a beret he's or got something. The- <laughs> I, I, like, had a scarf on, striped shirt, whatever. I'm, I'm going French, but I know, whatever. I know you are. It's uh, similar. And anyway, he's got these bad tights with the strappy thing. Can you talk about the strappy support? Yeah, so, he's a young man, right? I mean, like, yeah, you said he's not, like, super young, but he's young. 31. Right? 31, right? But he's got the old man tights on. He's right. got the he's got the weird like you can't see his waist, and sometimes he has like a, a marker to just, say that there's yeah, a waist there. With the creamy thighs the just creamy popping thighs, out. You know? No knee pads. Right. He's got, but he's got the support strap, which is it's like one of my biggest pet peeves of like old wrestling gear because it's What's, unnecessary. Right. Now, You're wearing spandex. It stretches. Why do you need another thing to like make sure it doesn't? stretch i don't understand what, what the, that is let me explain what that is for those of you that might not know on the singlet on the back part like near the shoulder blades it's the yeah. horizontal like bar yeah. that connects the two straps <laughs> quinn hates it i i hate it why is that it, it's just weird it looks bad i mean have you ever worn anything spandex whatsoever like a shirt it's really none or, of your business or, or, quinn or like biker shorts or something it stretches it, yeah. you don't need extra stuff there when you've known me 21 years have i ever worn biker shorts that you've know of? i don't know did you when you ran or something no. i don't know um, have i ever ran yeah no but kurt angle had one though to right. be fair the strappy support well, he did but he's did, an olympian he got rid of it later though i thought he probably did yeah anyway sal balomo also had the the low u scoop on right. that singlet so it like low went down to like scoop. below his belly button almost right. it just it was just a horrible uniform Hi, I'm Sharon. If this is your first time listening, I promise you that these two strappy talking shitheads usually discuss more than ring attire. They also talk about physiques. He had no muscle definition. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not me criticizing him as a human. It's just as a wrestler. It's just you really know? hard to market him as young and up and coming when he doesn't look like it. He looks like old and going. But he I'm, is young, so it's very, young. it's very confusing. He's got like a baby face, but he's got an old man body. Perfect. Yeah. Right. No, that's that's accurate. Now in the ring, horrible. Horrible. Bland. Right. The biggest thing he does that like excites the crowd is he does a cartwheel sometimes. Wow. His finisher is this hideous splash. Right. Like a vertical splash, not even off the rope sometimes. Just like I'm standing and now I'm splashing. I gotta you. be honest with you, I can never figure out what the hell his finisher is because he never does anything consistent finish. You know why? It's like he just kind of gets the pin poorly like rolls them up sometimes a drop kick yeah it's never like it's never consistent though it's never like oh and like where the announcers are like oh and there's sal balomo's like big finish (laughs) right right they never even say that never now he actually had a big winning streak in 83 and we oh my know God, he never loses. Yeah. yeah, He literally has not lost on TV, like championship weekly TV that I've we've seen. I've never seen him lose a Correct. match ever. He does eventually start to lose right around the end of 83 and Thank 84. goodness. And he is jobber central, but the best part, and this is where I actually like him, is as time goes on, the crowd's had enough of him, so even though they're pushing him as a face still, they're booing him. Salvatore Balomo! Sometimes he has the evil goatee. And sometimes he's, like, getting annoyed with the fans. It's like the disgruntled Mac. Yep. Like, you know that? 
disgruntled Mac, Mac, Mac was the pioneer of jobbers who are disgruntled, but... And my absolute favorite Sal Balomo WWF moment ever is in, like, September... No, November of... Uh, 84. Right. Where Bobby Heenan just pins him clean pretty much. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. What a right hand he gave. He got him with that right hand. Quick shot. Bobby uh, the Heenan. fact that like they, Bobby the Brain, who's like, yes, he's a manager in 84. Yes, and he's like, new. It's not like if you're wondering, because you know how Bobby gets in the ring sometimes, like if he wrestled more than that. No, no, just, no. They he, just booked it for whatever just, reason. They were just like, no, Bobby the Brain Heenan's better than him. <laughs> yeah. And they're built the same. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby the Brain, though, he's a, again, he's a manager, so his build doesn't matter. So you're not, you, he should look like That's shit. That's what I mean. Like in the ring. But Sal Balomo is just pasty, just bland, boring, awful. Now, the best version of him, though, and I think everyone will agree, is in ECW yes. in like 93, so this 94. Is, I, I personally, this really took me aback, and I really only found out about it because this is when ECW was very still like local and they didn't really have as much TV. Just coming off a stately win manner and Dick Graham being right, there. Exactly. Boy, the level goes out so fast. One of their headline like heels. Yes. Is Sal Balomo dressed up like, I don't know, like a Viking? A Viking or- gladiator renaissance. But he's like Guy. very friendly with the fans, so maybe he's not a heel. Like some, I he's like this barbarian kind of character. I don't know how else to describe him. The wild man Balomo, right? Is right. that what they call him? I think sometimes he has like stuffed animals. He has with a him. sword he's a occasionally. Beard. Yeah, it's um, he's fat. He looks totally different. You and wouldn't he's even amazing. like because I remember they said they kept saying Sal Balomo, Sal Balomo, and I'm like. That's not him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that doesn't look like him at all. He it's just him? looks like a fat slob ogre man. It's I don't amazing. know. Like, it's really weird. If you don't like this country, get out of here. I came here in this country, and I'm still here in this country. Honestly, Sal Bloma probably seems like, he seems like a really nice guy in real life. He passed probably. away last February. Yeah. Uh, and How old was he? Because he, he 67. Okay. When he, died. Eh. he retired in 2006, for the gotcha. record. That's when he retired, retired. But Sal Bloma. Could anything have been done with him in WWF? No. No, Because right? he just, especially, you know what it is? I think Sal, he fits like the Pete Sanchez mold. <laughs> but the problem is it's the, the 80s. First, the first Pete right. Sanchez. Pete Sanchez was like just hanging around at that point. Grizzled vet. Grizzled vet from the 60s. In the 60s, they were like, oh, Pete Sanchez, that's really cool. Nice right? sweater. People liked him yeah. or whatever. And he was like a big name in the WF, right? In the 60s. But Sal Balomo's got that same type of thing. But now everyone's got charisma and like off-the-wall characters. True. And then Sal Bloma doesn't figure out an off-the-wall character till he's like a really old man yeah. and like in ECW and nobody cares. The, the ECW before people cared. It's like right. right before it became extreme. Could you imagine if they brought in crazy Sal Bolomo in 94 WF and Gorillas calling and he's like, oh, I remember him. He's gone crazy. Like, what happened know? to him? I remember him, Stan Lane. Yeah, exactly. Like, you I don't could, know, Gorilla. You could imagine like just their reaction because yeah. that's my reaction when yeah. I saw him too. I was like, what the hell happened? He did um Bolomo did make like one more appearance in ECW like one off in 96 when they were what? like the real ECW but did they bring it. him as the like the barbarian Sal Bolomo I don't remember no he managed um he managed the FBI the full blood of the Italians oh that kind of makes it? sense yeah yeah but him as a manager seems like a horrible idea look did, does anybody ever look at the tapes well you ever hear him talk yeah that's the yeah. other thing folks we didn't talk about his so not only was he very horrible looking looking in yeah. the ring in 82 83 right just like just didn't look like a wrestler, really. Looked right. like a jobber. Looked like a fan. Right. <laughs> a fan. Like Paul Fisher. Yeah. Not only that, though, he couldn't c- 
cut a good promo. No. So that's two strikes against him. Mr. Blomo speaks how many other languages other than English and Italian? I speak uh, five languages altogether. Obviously puts most of us Americans uh, to shame as far as paling by comparison is concerned, but... Now, was he really that Italian? Like, I, what I, I mean don't is know, like, Quinn. Because I don't know if that's a put-on. Because he, he spoke Italian. That's Italian that he's speaking. Yeah, but he the way he talks is like his English is broken up. I didn't know if that's like him trying to like, oh, well, I'm Italian, so I should. But, it, but you know, he's lived in America forever. So I don't know if that's like a put on gimmick. Like, does he just talk like us? Like Mr. Fuji? We're not quite sure how yeah. thick the accent really is because he's exact, American. Exactly. So I wonder Hawaii. if Sal's like laying it on thick because well, when he's the barbarian <laughs> character, I don't detect any hint of that. He's just like, ah, Sal Palomo. I'd like, have to check out a shoot interview. Yeah. If there is one. Who's your favorite wrestler? The, the, my favorite say Paul Andorff. Oh, Paul. But yeah, Sal Palomo was just... In a, in a land of, in 83, where you had Bobby Backlund, even, Backlund is more charismatic Which and better than him. Something, yeah. uh, Don Morocco, Jimmy Snuka, these are star, the Samoans, and right. all these big characters, and then Sal Balomo. So, it's weird, man. It's just, I don't think that he could have done anything except, unfortunately, be a jobber in the WWF in the mid-80s. I agree. And that's what he was. It's kind of sad. It's sad because I, he seems like a nice man. It's not, it's, <laughs> it's not like the usual where it's like this laughable, ridiculous no. thing. It's more just this sad, well, he could sort of wrestle. But he's okay. He's got nothing else. No. He's got nothing else. And that, I just, I, sometimes there's guys that I wish that they developed a little bit better. And I feel like Sal Bloma maybe had the potential with the wrestling core. If he would have had some personality. Right. But he, he was literally, the reason we call him the Balky is because that's how they portrayed him. Like this greenhorn, this wide-eyed, like, I'm very thankful to be in America, you know? And I'm yes! Just, that, that's why Waving, we're saying like, that. the unified, like, America and, and the Italian, Italian flag, like, literally Balky. Yeah, that's why we're saying that. We're not inferring that. They tell you that. Right. That's what he's about. And he's we a know proud he, immigrant. We know he can do another character because he did. Yeah, it just took him like 10, like 10 years too late. I don't understand why within the first year or two, they were like, this isn't working. <laughs> yeah. And like, just like, just repackage him. Don't even call him Sal Balomo. <laughs> right. You know what right. I mean? Because I've always said he, he sounds and looks like the villain and the fugitive, like the <laughs> actual bad guy. That's uh, Richard yeah. Kimball's friend. Yes, yes. Richard. You know, and they get into a brawl. He sounds like it. Richard. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm in the middle of this speech. That guy does a nice hip toss in that movie, by the way. Does he? I mean, you know, I haven't watched the original Fugitive in a bit. Not the original, but the, the, 93. the 93 one with Harrison Ford. It's phenomenal. It's a great one movie, though. I, anytime I've seen it, I really liked it. Tommy you know that Jones. movie was like, was like a big fucking deal back then because like, the Fugitive TV show was always like this, like it had this mystique. In the 60s? Yeah, because yes. it had like a good ending and everything. Mm -hmm. So people like that movie was like, well, so I remember my parents were like, we cannot wait to see it was good. The Fugitive. Like we remember it as kids and like we need to know what happens. Good cast too. Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones is right. amazing in that. Yeah. Harrison Ford's good in it. And that about sums up Sal Baloma's career, right. honestly, exactly. if you ask yeah. me. So folks, let us know what you think of Sal Baloma. If you've seen some of his ECW stuff where I actually like him. Mm -hmm. I think he's good, and he, I think that's fine. Uh, WWF, though, it's just like, what is there to cheer about this guy? What is there to get excited it's, about? It's very confusing when you're, like, looking back. <laughs> he's friendly. That's, like, yeah. um, it's nice. But what like, a nice man. Yeah, but, like, I want to watch uh, fucking Don Morocco. Don yeah, exactly. Don Morocco. Stuff like or that. Yeah, or Jimmy the Superfly, even. Even, oh, my God, even yeah. Snooker. Yeah. yeah, so let us know your thoughts on Sal Blomo. You can, of course, do that on Twitter, at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email or join the group, and don't be a dingus. But, Quinn, when we come back, 
189 is here, which means it is the final Royal Rankings. That's right. Final two members of the Talking Tank are coming out. We're going to see where they rank. It's the Royal Rankings, and this is coming up right after this. All right, we are in Mama Belomo's kitchen, Salvatore Belomo, of course, here, Rustler Extraordinaire. And Mama, thank you very much for having us in your kitchen. Grazie. Grazie. Mr. Belomo, it's a pleasure to see you again. Now, what are we going to have here, Sal, after things are prepared and whatever? Well, last time I was here, I cook, and I cook in my own way, and Mama always told me what to do. But this time we have Mom here and show what we do exactly. We have to do here. We did this before because it's got a lot of preparation. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, what is, is a mingulada. It's what? Mingulada. Mingulada? It's like a stromboli or a calzone or a pizza. You know, or mm, I can do curls with this. Mm, that's very nice. Then and we got steak pani with uh, crumb bread and uh, cheese mm -hmm. and uh, celery. Then we got uh, the artichokes, like everybody's smelling right now. Then we got orange salads. And we got the biggest thing Mom we're doing right now is a uh, eggplant lasagna. Eggplant lasagna. Yeah. And everybody asks me why I'm that fat. If my mom do always <laughs> that good food. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us here. It is Monday, August the 17th, 2020, for episode number 189. 189! Thank you, Quinn. And Quinn, uh, we mentioned at the top of the show, I'm going to plug it again real quick, folks. Please forgive me, but we have a Patreon. Yes, we do. Patreon.com slash OVP Podcast. When we do this, because we've been doing the show almost four years. Wow, four years. A long time to be it a is. champion. Not that we're champions of anything, but yeah. people that like the show and want to support us, we give them an avenue to do that. And in return, it's all about the content. Yes, this is a content-based Patreon. It it's is. not about, we'll give you an autograph on a shirt. Right, or, or a shout-out. I mean, if you want that, like just that. ask me. If you want a digital autograph, I will sign like <laughs> with my keyboard. Right. You're not paying for that. What you're paying for is extra OVP content because you like us. Right. That's the idea. Because you just want more OVP. Yeah. <laughs> It's like Netflix or something, yeah, you know? That's all. And when we got three tiers, like we said, the highest one is five bucks. That's it. Right. Five. Bret Hart, five. You have till five. King Kong Bundy, five. Billy right. Fives. Right, Billy Fives. So, that said, here's what you're going to get. For $5 a month, you're going to get every single WWF pay-per-view in order. We're doing them. We started at WrestleMania 1, so if you sign up now, you get all the way back to WrestleMania 1, right. up to Survivor Series, and then in September, we're in 1991, it'll be the Royal Rumble. That'll right. be fun. Actually, right now, you get basically everything from 1985 to 1990, because now we've completed 1990. Yes. So you get like the whole, like, all those years. Five bucks a yeah. month. You also get, on the $3 tier, the bi-weekly 1983 live video reviews, which are also available on audio form so you mm -hmm. can listen in your car or whatever and that's where you get to see a lot of sal Bolomo. yeah no 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 he he's on that a lot and there's free versions over on youtube just search our vantage point retro wrestling podcast on youtube subscribe there and there's free versions of the previous like 82s and 83s yeah, there's coming like 36 out 36 of them or yep. something now like there's a lot there's a lot of content so check that out and then on the two dollar tier you still get stuff you get a back archive of our mount rushmore and death valley extras those are bonus shows there's also the ovp commentaries like 30 something of those and video every single week. This is for like the OVP enthusiast, hobbyist. Yeah. That's interested in the behind the scenes of the OVP podcast. Oh, you get the whole thing, all the mistakes, everything, the shirts. Before and the show starts. The 
stock picture behind me. And <laughs> yeah, you right. get it all. You get to see what it's like to make a podcast and all the mistakes yeah, exactly. that we never make. That we never make. Yeah. Uh, so basically, the whole point is, if you like us, if you appreciate what we do and you have a few bucks to spare because you want more stuff, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. And now, Michael, it's the final Royal Rankings of the season. We got to explain what that is in case we have any first timers here. Right. Before the show starts... We ask you, the fans, to give us a list of your 10 best and your 10 worst of something. And right now, by the way, the voting for next season's Royal Rankings is going on on our Facebook group. So if you're a member there, vote. It's in one of the announcement posts. If you're not, join the group. It's free and you can vote. Uh, So right now, though, we're finishing up the best talkers in wrestling, the best and worst talkers, where we ask you, the fans, to give us your list. Joe Merkel, our chief statistician, compiles all of your votes, puts them into two separate tanks, one for the best, one for the worst. We draw names at random, two at a time. We alternate weeks. And at the end of the season, you are going to have the definitive, scientifically ranked and proven, chosen, ordained, baptized, non-GMO, USDA certified organic and healthy, best and worst talkers of all time. Quinn, there is a controversial top eight right now. Is it controversial? I I think it's a pretty good list. All right. Well, number one, despite my best efforts, it's still Ric Flair. (laughs) Despite all your rage, it's still Ric Flair at his advanced age. Now, now I will be fair, though. I can't say anything against Flair being number one. It really is. There's no reason that he shouldn't be right now. It's fine. (laughs) It's fine. Like, here's the thing is that I say num- the number two is Dusty, right? But if Dusty but, like, had drawn first. it's Yeah, it's just like who got their first situation. <laughs> right. Ric Flair just got lucky because it is random. The yeah, drawing. I know. So number two is a very close number two, like 1B, Dusty Rhodes. Right. Number three, which may surprise some people, but if you look at the breadth of his career and how he was able to pull this off, Hulk Hogan. The Hulker. Fucking good. Yeah. He I mean, is. All those promos. It's, it's, they are really they're so imaginative I think is what what kind of puts them out there very right? creative yeah uh, number four Randy Savage excellent talker speaking in his of own imaginative right. promos <laughs> excellent five Steve Austin who I think is just fantastic yeah really I, really good he makes the serious guy like work and he also He's can funny. make it funny yep. when the serious guy is reacting to like what is this shit yeah. like he has some of the best faces austin oh, when God. he's like when he's actually reacting to stuff hell yeah yeah uh, number six roddy piper i might have even slid him down with the next guy and flipped him but i'm fine either way seven chris jericho yeah who, to, i don't know how he should be better than austin or savage or hogan so the thing is though i i really think roddy piper just kind of squeaks out simply because it's just so revolutionary yeah innovative the only reason yeah piper does stink after like the late 80s yeah we know that but he broke new ground (laughs) yes exactly yeah and uh number eight the rock yes jericho above the rock because the rock is very 1d yeah again (laughs) we we have to keep saying this is like the rock is just the rock and he's nothing else yeah jericho's better than the rock okay he's he's more dynamic chris jericho so that's it. That's the top eight right now, but we have two more to come out. But before we do that, we got to go down to Howard Finkel for the Royal Rankings. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal Rankings. Double A's on the scene now, baby. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Wallowing in the muck of avarice. 
It is the Royal Rankings, the final Royal Rankings of Talkers and Wrestling. Wow. Quinn, this is a situation where uh, it's hot, it's heavy, it's it's hard. It's sweaty. It's going to be difficult yeah. because you can only imagine only two more guys can make this. We're really incubating a number one here. We really are. It's, it's going to hatch. And I mean, if you look at the top eight that we ran down, they're all great talkers. They are. You can't dispute any of them being on the list. Not at all. Now, there's probably people that are so good but haven't made the list. Mm-hmm. And we're going to just find out what the hell is going on here. We got two more. I have nothing else to say. The time for talking is through, but it's still time for talking because we're talking about talkers. Right. There's a lot of talking to be talked. So the talking is still going to happen, I guess, let's, right? Let's do it. Let's talk about it. Fans, count us down as we talk about number nine. everything I believed in and you flushed it down the damn toilet. One of the all-time greatest, Quinn, Mick Foley. Mick Foley. Yeah, Mick Foley. Mrs. Foley's baby boy. Nick Foley, if you will. Mankind, dude, Cactus love, Jack. Cactus Jack. Talk about dynamic, huh? There is no reason he shouldn't have made this. He yeah. definitely belongs here. He <sighs> is fantastic. He was renowned as a talker in the 90s and in the 2000s. I mean, people oh, yeah. on the internet, you know, I'm talking late 90s when the internet really started to blow. People loved his promos. I think what loved stood them. out to a lot of people about him, I know this might sound really weird, but his persona of this crazy man was so radically different than how he talked. To me, that always stuck out because when he wrote a book, for example, you're like, wow, I didn't know he had so much like to him. You know what I mean? Very. The way he portrayed himself was not like that as far as like in the ring and like, all that stuff. Yeah. But when he got on the mic, it's like, man, the guy could talk. Yeah. No, no, no. Absolutely could talk. And from a pretty early stage in his career, you know, he had turned pro in 85. I uh, was trained by Dominic DiNucci, you know, right, trained yeah. with Shane Douglas and all that. I love the humble roots of McFoley too. Very. Like, it's like he can't get the like really top notch trainers. It's no. like Dominic DiNucci. <laughs> DiNucci. Yeah. And uh, he would actually, you know, still be in school, drive to Cortland University, get trained, all this stuff. And anyway, he uh, becomes Cactus Jack. That's his first big persona. He was a WWF job guy and a few other things before right. that. Now, the Cactus Jack gimmick was based off like his dad or something, right? Well, his dad, Jack Foley, and they right. played a wrestling simulator game together. Right. <laughs> they did. This is what I mean about like, awesome. why he's so lovable. Is like That's like literally like, yep. oh, this is the wrestler I wanted to be. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, it's just great. Cactus Jack. And he was a wild man, right? Yeah. That was the gimmick. Kind of like just a wild, unpredictable guy. Like so- pseudo-Western or something. Yep. Like I don't know what what else to call him. Like he lives in the desert or Truth something. Truth or consequences, yeah. New Mexico, yeah. where there's cactuses. Uh, yeah. Cacti. Cacti. Yeah. Excuse me. Uh, obviously. He wears the the, the boots with the spots on leopard them. print yeah leopard print yeah and the initial cactus jack and in some of the places he passed through i'm talking herbs uwf right. i'm talking down south in the uh, continental you know the memphis continental i'm talking wcw like 9091 92 is more of a goofy cactus jack so captain mike you tell your two friends that this ain't a box of twinkies they've chosen to bite into it wasn't about his talk. No. It was that he could take bumps. He, like insane ones for the time, too. Right. He was willing to just jump on like his hip onto the cement. <sighs> like, and I just don't even like on. Maybe as a kid, you think, oh, I can do that. But like, as an I adult, doing that shit. as an adult, <laughs> especially, you're like, wow, that fucking would hurt. Yeah. Or the nest he plunged, just the flat back bump off the apron yeah. onto the floor. The, the freaking sunset flip yeah. off the turnbuckle to the outside. It's ridiculous. Like a maniac. Yeah. But yeah, he was more of a goofier Cactus Jack, but a, still a good talker. It was really ECW 
when mm-hmm. he started to take up a residency there in 1994. It's really, I, I would have to say that probably Paul had a lot to do with this, is that he probably saw him talk in the back and he was like, damn, this guy's good. and Very like, good. And it's like, why is no one like using it yeah you know what i mean like so paul put him out there yep and he said just go like i mean a lot of that was just foley like oh yeah that was just him like it was just him being mick foley it was just him thinking of stuff trying to make it intense and, yep. and oh my god there's some those legendary promos like the whole gimmick where he was like i'm i don't want to please the fans anymore yeah, anti-hardcore basically anti-hardcore like fuck them i'm gonna follow the rules fuck and all Tommy this dreamer yeah you know i love eric bischoff remember right. that era it was great the kane dewey promo the kane dewey Tommy, when you open up your heart, when you open up your soul, and it gets on, it tends to make Jack a very mean boy. That is where you got the sense that this guy, Mick Foley, was a really special performer. Right. Because he, in this little rinky-dink ECW, right, was... He had some good talkers. A Raven was very good, but he just really stood out. Was, no one was like that. He sh- he came out as like an all timer, and you were kind of like, "How is no major promotion want this guy?" Yeah, he's one of the guys that went to ECW to kind of like puff up his resume before he went to his second act of his career, right? And that's how it worked out. Yeah, like like how Austin did prior, right? Yeah, pretty much the yeah. same path, right? The right. same trajectory. WCW to ECW to WWF. Vince came and knocking, obviously turned him into Mankind. Now, I gotta just say something real quick about Mankind. The early Mankind, I'm talking like 96 into 97, was more caricature. I mean, mixed personality shown through. I sort of loved it. I liked it too, but it wasn't as developed as it would become. Right. But there was something very sinister and scary about a guy in this like dark room and there's only the light of the window coming through and you can can see the but I mean you can see the shadow of like the break between the window like on his face and he's just talking about weird shit it was shot well yeah and I just it's very stock though Quinn like a creepy guy in a boiler room with rats I mean come on (laughs) but I thought I thought Mick did so well with it that's what I mean Mick was so good about it he brought so much character to it like once it started developing like stuff like little stuff like Paul became his manager and he had this like Uncle Paul he had this persona of like Paul's the only person that ever cared about me it was that kind of little personality that you know another person would not be able to bring to that right there was just so much nuance in the way the way Mick talked he sounded pained right yeah the way he was able to communicate emotion uncanny ability to do that and the the development of the mankind character into this like more than just a guy who lives with rats well, in a basement like was just it was incredible to watch what sealed the deal for me as a fan of his full time was that sit down interview series he did with Jim Ross to me that's the beginning that's the transition from like the, 1D the 1D mankind to this this fleshed out character it's like he's got a wife he's got a dad and like it. all this stuff and that it's like something happened and his he's like pain now and he and I love he, it you know like they, he he still goes home he takes the mask off and he's dad but in, in a day job he's this crazy guy right and I he know. pulls his hair out and stuff and you know how they pulled this off perfectly and I know Vince Russo never ever did anything good ever right but they pulled this off perfectly because uh they used the real-life Mick Foley story, but they made it Mankind's story. Right. So I was so confused as a kid, and for a couple of years, like, wait, is he really crazy? Right. Because they were, like, telling the truth about things. They'd show home videos, and he's like, and now my life's fucked up, you yeah. know? It was just, like, all mixed up. It was up. well It was done. all mixed up, and it was never really clarified. No! And, like, but it didn't need to be, it's right? right. It, it was like this... 
error of confusion with it, right? It was right. it was so weird. You're like, I know everything <laughs> about his life, but he's also this weird like guy with a mask on, right. and it's strange. And like, but I've seen him without the mask. Yeah, and I've seen him just in like we his know he was or whatever. Jack, and like, we know, yeah. yeah. Stockbrokers can't do it. Teachers can't do it. The president of the United States can't bleed for a living, but pro wrestlers can. Then he completely flips over to the dude love character, and you're like, there's a whole other aspect of his right. ability. So it's like Austin was kind of like disrespecting him, right? He was kind of like, man, kind of dirty and smelly, right. and I don't want to team with him, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then one day he just shows up as dude love. Totally different than Mankind, which we hadn't seen before. Right. It's a totally different thing. Absolutely, completely different character. He, did, What I always thought was funny is that he seemed not as much aware of mankind at the beginning. Yeah, like, yeah. and, but at the same time, he was aware that Stone Cold was his tag team partner. It yes. was so weird. It, it was, was like this weird crossover. Cool. Like, the dude love character could remember some things, but not others. Right. It was very strange. And I love that he literally came out with like some ladies from Connecticut. It's real. Like it's it's amazing. It was happy. And he's doing the dance, but he's also the 60s for some reason. Yeah, that was very confusing. That's what like, I loved about it. music. It's it was so funny. good. Yeah. And, and then he brings in Cactus Jack. Now, Cactus Jack and Mankind are like the same talker, really. Right. It's they just are. Cactus Jack is Mankind without a mask. That's it, it is. Honestly, by that point, they're the same talk. They're the same personality the almost. The only thing that was a little different about Mankind and Cactus Jack was that Cactus Jack is where they said, like, he's a hardcore wrestler. Whereas yes. Mankind was just like a crazy gimmicky Impervious sort of wrestler. to pain, kind of, or right. enjoyed but pain. But Cactus Jack was like, if you fucked with Mankind yeah. and do love too much, it's <laughs> yeah. like, oh no. Cactus That's what Jack, happened. Cactus Jack is here, right? right. Cactus Jack is back. Somebody psyched me. I thought he was dead. He's alive. Then he comes back as Mankind and then he slowly turns face because he's now Goofy Mankind. I right. love Goofy Mankind. Very funny. Socko, that, that that's era. A, that's it's another very character funny. that, yeah. He's like a clown. Especially when he starts wearing the shirt. Yeah. Like he's like, he's like, Vince is the only one that's ever. Well, he does the Paul Bear thing with Vince. Yeah. And now it's now, amazing. Now he's Vince's boy. It's so funny. He's like a tragic co comedic figure. He's like the Tramp Charlie Chaplin character. It's he's weird. He's like one of those. It's weird because a lot of the more maniacal heels, yeah, they, realize, they realize that they could use mankind if they gave him a little attention. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yep. Is that if you give him a little attention, he had this, like, that part about his character. Right. Where it's like, he'll he'll latch on to you. It was perfect, right? Like, remember, he's trying to cheer up Vince. That's how Sokka, like, That's started. what Sokka is, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> Vince was just a little nice to him. <laughs> yeah. That's literally, like, why That's he's doing it. it. Like, That's he's all like, it is. Now, Father Vince. Like, you know, like, now he now he's like, he's my dad. And, of course, he gets screwed over at Survivor yeah. Series, right? Great feud with The Rock in 99. He's kind of funny, Mick, throughout the rest of 99. Yeah. And then we have the Rock and Sock connection, which I liked. But I even then, I was like, this is fun, but it was yeah. okay. I, I was never it was, the biggest fan of that or the This Is Your Life Rock. I thought that was really dumb as a kid. I'm not going to lie. I thought it was funny. It was that like it, a half hour. I'm like, that what was, is this? That the fact that it kept going, I think, was part of its charm at the time. Because you're like, wow, it's like there's so more. Long. Like, yeah, yeah, I know. Like, that was, it was fun. To me, it was one of those things that was only good at the time. I cannot rewatch that. No. Like, God. it's one of those things that, you, that good. you had to be there. Yeah. It's also one of those things that it whizzes by and you don't realize you haven't switched to WCW in a half an hour. Maybe that was the psychology, yeah, right? Yeah, like you really don't because <laughs> it's just like he just keeps bringing out shit. Yeah. He's like, and I got a clown and oh, here's your eighth grade teacher it's and okay. all that. Like, it's just like, it just keeps, here's your coach. It was, you know, I, here's I your girlfriend. I didn't like it that much, yeah. really. And I didn't like The Rock was always so mean to him. Yeah. And, you know, Mick's idea in real life was like, 
why the fuck is Mick taking all this shit from The Rock? Well, it's because, you know, in the ring, Rock always saved him. Like, it, it always appeals to, now that we're talking about it, it always appeals to, if you're a little nice to him, yeah, I guess. he'll let you abuse him. Like, he doesn't care. I guess so. Because Vince did the same thing. It was a little nice to him. He gave him the hardcore title. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, the now, big sarcastic. And then, and then Vince was a complete dickhole to of him course. the whole time. And like, he's just, but like, no, but he was not any gay, any appreciated me or right. whatever. So it's like, I will never leave Vince, right. you know? So then the best part, yeah, the, the way he wound down his WWF career, you alluded to it earlier, was when uh, he was just down on his luck as mankind. And then he morphs. In front of Triple H's face in the Cactus Jack, remember? Right. He takes off the mask and he's got the wanted shirt under it. Yeah. And Triple H sells that like, oh, I'm fucked. And I love the way Triple H sold that. This this whole, to me, this is like Mick Foley's magnum opus. Like a it's lot of amazing. people remember, you know, him falling off the hell in the cell and stuff. And yeah. All that, and all that kind of crazy ass shit. But his but character like, work here and mic this, work. This like, you could almost feel it, right? This like final roll into his final like... This is his. This is his last dance here. Like yep. right, it's like I gotta beat Triple H. And it was the emotion involved in both of those matches. The Royal Rumble, yeah, two thousand. All the lead up to that. Royal Rumble two thousand is secretly one of my favorite oh, mankind match or Mick Foley in general agreed. matches to ever ever happen. That's and, mostly the wrestling, but I think that match yes. also exemplifies the character and talking that built into that. That's match. what I was saying. I mean, the yeah. build up to it is just phenomenal. And so is the fallout from that and the yeah. build up to the hell in the cell one in February. Yeah. And even the match though, is also telling such a great story. So it all kind of melds together, yeah. right? It's very, very well done. And then when Mick is retired, it's so emotional for me. Like it right. really was. I was like, holy shit, he lost. Yeah. I didn't think he was going to retire there, but if you were reading the tea leaves, he was, he was kind of saying like, he's broken down. He's kind of also saying, like, even in promos sometimes, like, my wife's really concerned. Yeah. Like, you know, like, you should have seen it coming, right? Right. And then, of course, they ruin all of that, and I never really liked him again because Mick Foley! I hate it. Don't ever try to tell me that it's good. It sucks so much ass. Fuck off. It's not it's, good. No, they ruined, they undid all of that goodwill. I never liked Mick again after that. It, I'm, I'm serious. I never really? did. I, I mean, not as a human. I just mean on screen. Okay, so I didn't like that comeback. It was horrible. But the one where Edge, like. That's good. The one, I can't deny it. The one where Edge essentially, like, lured him that back, one in, back is good. into, like, wrestling. I can't believe how good it was at like the 2007 WrestleMania, whatever number that it was. was. 2006, 2006. 22, yeah. The one where they it's go through the flaming table. No, and I like, know. I remember watching that. I was like, I can't believe Mick's doing this. Yeah. Like this many years after, like he just turned it back on. I guess, yeah. Let me, re I, let me restate that, okay? Yeah. I didn't like him in 2000. I didn't like him. The late 2000, like the beginning of 2000, he was really good. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. when he came back. Right. He was okay as the commissioner. I'm right. not going to lie. But we can't count that or something. No, it doesn't count. Yeah. We're talking about as a wrestler. Yeah. But when he came back for the Rock and Sock thing in 04, that was fine. Yeah. It was okay. And when he came back for the Edge feud in 06, that's tremendous work. The Edge Phenomenal feud is work. so surprisingly good just yeah. because you you got you got lulled into this like kind and cuddly Mick Foley yeah. for so long. Right. The commissioner, the cheap pop, thumbs up, haircut. Right. Yeah. And, and then <laughs> all of a sudden he just flips on Cactus Jack, essentially. Fantastic. Again. I think he technically wrestled as Mankind, but he just, to me, he was like Cactus Jack during that. I can't even, I think he just wrestled as Mick Foley in that. Right. Exactly. I think that's what it was. Yeah. But he was more the, the hardcore man yes. version. And I want to just cap it there because he really hasn't been an active wrestler 
yeah, much. And I mean, he was the commissioner of Saturday Morning Slam. Don't ever forget. Uh, One he, day we'll review. <laughs> even if he had stopped in 2000 and never came back for any of the other stuff, he still is an all-timer in my oh, book. all-time. All-timer talking. And I, he's one of the rare guys that I like that we have to talk about the matches because it ties so close into like his character and talking because he tells a story in the ring that ties into yep. the stuff he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's just very well done. He's just the complete package when it comes to psychology and relatability and crowd reaction. One of the masters. Yeah. Literally one of the all-time so best. So good. And that's why this list is all the more intriguing because now we have one more entrant. Some of you are probably mumbling like, holy shit, who's it going to be? Because I can think of five more guys that could make exactly. it. You know what I mean? Exactly. Only one has. But Quinn, if you're ready... I am ready. I'm ready. Let's find out who drew number 10. The DDT on the concrete floor, you have to admit, was an awesome thing. When I turned you over and I seen your face already starting to swell, I have to tell you the truth, man. It made me feel good inside. One of the all-time greats again, Quinn, Jake Roberts. Swallowing the muck of avarice. (laughs) Yes. Jake the Snake Roberts obviously belongs here as well. Yeah, this is another guy that ties his talking with his wrestling, which that's what I'm glad these two ended up being very like, similar, being similar with that. Yep. Jake the Snake, what I love the most about him is that he's understated about everything. Like it's not this yelly, very different, very different, very thing, different, especially in his time. Which, yeah, in his time, he was very innovative. We talked about Piper being innovative. Right. Jake was innovative, too, in a different way. He took this this idea of that he doesn't need to raise his voice because because it's like he's so crazy that you don't want him to, like, aim for you, right? And, and when he does raise his voice, it matters because he's right. not yelling often. Yeah. So it really stands out. Exactly. Whereas Hogan, and no knock on Hogan, Hogan starts off yelling. Right. You know what I mean? A lot of guys start off yelling. The Legion of Doom. A lot of people just yell. But even when Jake's mad, it's kind of like he'll raise his voice slightly, but it's not a yell. It's like, hi. (laughs) It's like that. It's like, million dollar man. Yeah. You you thought that. You you know what I mean? Like, it's like that. And like now, he'll just say your name really loud and then right. start mumbling. He'll about say like it. a phrase loud, just yeah. a phrase or something like yeah. that. I'm going to, you know, make you, you know, something yeah, like that. Exactly. Really well done. You made fun of them. You humbled them and you humiliated them. Well, now it's my turn. I'm going to make you beg, DiBiase. Now, Jake, uh, as a talker, obviously everyone, I think a lot of people regard him as one of the best. He had a, a cool road there because, you know, he had wrestled in the 70s kind of indescript to steal one of your uh, malapropisms, Quinn. He doesn't have the best body. Oh, um, not not at he's all. He's tall. I'll give him that. He's like 6'4", probably, right? 6'5". Yeah, I guess the way he presents himself, he looks like he's very tall. Yeah, he's no, he's tall. No, 6'4". He wears four. the high lo- boots or what, snakeskin he's boots or whatever. Lanky, right? Lanky, yeah. Mustache. Right. Greasy it, hair. It's this look that like, that guy could do some damage, but... Do I, some damage to a keg right it's just i don't know like i don't know he's not like hulk hogan he's got this just look about him like he's sort of dangerous though right that he that i don't it, trust him yeah that he'll go behind your back yeah. and like just punch you in the fucking face he just had that natural look so i yeah. guess that's a benefit of being the son of grizzly smith right, right. so he, <laughs> seriously yeah so yeah he really didn't find himself as a wrestler until he went to uh fucking calgary right or not in the late 70s briefly i think he disappeared on stew which because right. he was not always reliable that's one of the draw 
drawbacks to Jake. And then a lot kinda, of people disappeared on Stu, though. Like, to be fair, <laughs> it's like I'm not wrestling in this fucking basement anymore. Some of his own family did. They're like, yeah. "Fuck this." Yeah. And uh, anyway, he went to the NWA. I believe it was the South. It was Georgia. He was down there. A couple other promotions, right? And started to really find his footing as a wrestler. And then WWF came and knocked him in '86, March right. of '86. He went there. He had a good feud, by the way, in in '86 with Dick Slater. And I've seen some of the stuff down there in in the NWA. Right. Got Dick Slater. Everybody knows how tough you are. Everybody knows what kind of man you are. And Journey, she does look fine. I'll let you know that right now. But WWF March of 86 debuts as Jake the Snake Roberts. And Quinn, let's talk about how from a psychological standpoint, how this was different, you know, from the other top heels of the time in 86. He was very fear driven. I, I know we laugh about all the wrestlers being afraid of the snake or whatever, but like it was different. It was different. And I mean, here's the thing is what they would do in WF is he lay the snake on people or something. Yeah. But really what you, what you're afraid of with the snake is that it's going to bite you. You'd this, think this guy holding this possibly lethal snake and it's crawling all over him and it might wow, squeeze it, the shit out of you. It might either squeeze the shit or maybe what if it bites him, it right? It's like, you. This guy immediately, the first thing you think of when you see him holding the snake is like, man, this guy has no fear. Right. Right. He's got, he's got a Python like just crawling all over him. And if he was a different type of performer, yeah, this would be so hokey because you'd have no. this just guy with a snake, you know, like, what are you going to do when my snake gets you? No, you but know instead what I mean? it, it's just like he's talking about just how dangerous he is in and, this and, hushed tone, in this hushed tone as a snake crawls and slithers and yeah. like that you can even see it's like tongue coming out and right. like well, it could and bite at any second. And like, it's just this and he's this, dressed kind of weird. Right. And it's just this. Who it, is this it's guy? It's this aura of fear. Yeah. Like, it really is. It's that this is a this is a character to be feared. Right. Like, what? what's this guy's deal? Right, what, yeah. What, what's his problem, you know? And I think one of his first real big feuds, the Ricky Steamboat one, got that across really well, because here you have the all, like, you know, encompassing baby-faced Ricky Steamboat. Right. He ain't afraid of shit. Yeah. But still, like, Jake is able to just get to him, DDT him on the floor. Right. Knock him out. Because now you realize from that point on, that his special move is very dangerous. One simple move, it takes a split second to do. DDT, that's what it's called, and I'm not afraid of anybody. It fits with how he talks. It's understated, it's subtle, it's quick. It's, like, you know what I mean? It's lethal, possibly, it's, right? It's lethal, possibly. It's got a name of a lethal chemical. <laughs> I love that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It stands for the end, as he says, right? Right. And uh, so Jake obviously was so unique, because this is not a big fat heel, right? like a Kamala. Mm-hmm. This is not a killer con. This is not an evil Russian. This is not a strong man. You know what yeah. I mean? This is not like a Paul Orndorff. This is just slithery, slimy, literally like a snake. The way he portrays himself, the way he talks, it makes you think that if he wanted to be the world champion, he could, he could in a moment's notice figure it out. He could lure Hulk Hogan out and he could quickly land a DDT. I'm talking quiet because that's like how, yeah, that's, no, that's what how I think. That's how I think of Jake, right? He'll figure it out. He might. He might not even. You might not even be expecting. Them. Bam. Yeah. Done. Yeah. yeah. So, all sudden. All kind of like how the stunner was at a, or yeah. the d- diamond cutter, right? It's yep. like that's like the DDT. Yep. If you want to put like modern or closer yeah. to modern, more equivalent. RKO. To, yeah. RKO. Jake was so good at this. This is one of the rare early instances of Jake being so good. It kind of started the turn him face. Right. So this character. This character is interesting because you're right. It is so understated and it just comes off as cool he's just so good at putting words together and, and, right. and the way he talks was just so captivating that the fans couldn't help but like him for it so right. then 
the Honky Tonk Man feud happens. We all know that one, right? And then right. he's out for a bit with a neck injury. They had a lot of injuries he's in, in the late 80s, yeah. Part of the problem. But every feud that he had, because we, we can't go too much detail, but every feud he had, whether it was Honky, Rick Rude, Ted DiBiase, those are the big three face feuds, right? Right. They're all very well built on the mic. Right. All I, three. I really think the Million Dollar Man one is one of those that, while it's not the greatest feud in the world, this brought uh, the muck of ever avarice, whatever it is, right? Yes. Promo. But what I love about this is that it builds off the history of the Million Dollar Man. Like, right? Like, it's like the Million Dollar Man has been just such a fucking horrible person yeah, he's terrible. to everyone for so long. And the fact that he raised the anger of Jake the Snake Roberts, it felt really like this is it for him. Like, he's not going to escape that. Right. Like, Hogan's a little nice. He'll let him get away. Like, multi million dollar man. He'll let him cackle and get away, right? Right. Like, all he, like, like all he ever does. Because he's too nice, right? right? Jake the Snake will kill him. Yeah, no, it's over. Yeah, it's like, no, he will actually, like, prevent him from wrestling ever yeah, again. No, and, he's done. And when Jake cut that promo at six, I love how it fades to him slowly coming down on the cart and his music blaring. I get goosebumps every time because it's and Jake's kind of like pointing, but not like all extreme. Just like that's it, that's it, it for you. That's it, it buddy. That's it for you. Yep. you. All these years of you acting like an asshole, it's over. It's over. Yeah, you know, some great mic work. Yeah, seriously. And you know what? To Jake's credit, to the Martell feud, right? Even though it's goofy, good I think mic the, work. I think the match that ends that feud at WrestleMania is really, really bad. And not until next week, Jake. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I just yeah, I think it's a little too like I think. It's a little what's, too on the nose. What's a good about that match. is that he right away after that turned heel. And this Pretty is, much. to me, the second well, phase with his whole thing with the Macho Man is yes. like next level. Well, I do want to mention how we got to the heel turn, please, because right. uh, it's really well done. Earthquake squashed Damien in the spring. Right. And they never really implicitly said, explicitly said it, but that's what started it. Right. Like it's a different snake named Lucifer. It set him off. It, it, it started to unhinge him. He's still a face still a face by then he actually beats earthquake clean on the house show loop and everything of course because they have to they have to yeah. right so he's got his new snake then he starts uh getting involved with the warrior he wants to help the ultimate warrior which is admirable because the undertaker is feuding with the warrior right so, so he's un- like i know the darkness brother exactly yeah. and this was the, the, the creepy torch as we call it he yeah <laughs> he, he, right, he, right. Know, he knows the creepy he knows the creepy so he starts getting like increasingly like skeevy with the warrior, locking him in caskets and shit. You're like, and, okay, this is a little like much, yeah. Jake, you know? So then eventually it's like, all right, Jake's being a dickhead. Is your blood pumping, warrior? Take care of yourself. Relax, I've told you. Getting a little sick now, huh? And then, of course, he, in my favorite moment with The Undertaker as a team, they crash Savage's and Liz's wedding. Is that the actual breaking point from when he, like, is that the original heel turn? Or, like, because I, I already never really was. identified the exact spot. It's the warrior thing, really. But yeah. then that happens. Yeah. And they show up. Jake's in, like, normal clothes, and Undertaker's in his Undertaker gear. Yeah. Which is amazing. Well, because The Undertaker doesn't have normal clothes. Yeah, that's what he wears. His character doesn't have that. He's not a biker yet or whatever. So he doesn't have. Daytime attire. <laughs> right. And then that turns into the Savage uh, and Snake and Liz feud, which, Quinn, I know you love. It starts with the snake bite, really. It starts with the snake bite. We um, talked a little bit about it last week. With so Randy Savage, and the, uh, Randy Savage and Jake the Snake, they have a match. And then at the end, Savage gets like tied up in the ropes. 
and Jake's got him right where he wants him. Yep. And now this is what I keep saying about the biting. Yeah. All these years, we've never seen the snake actually bite anybody. And this is a cobra now. Right. It's always kind of constricted or yeah. whatever it's done, right? But now he's got a king cobra. <laughs> yeah. Now he's got something that will actually, but he's got something that's super fucking yeah. really dangerous, right? They're known for that. And he actually has it bite him. Like, for fucking real. You see, yeah. like, it gnaw into him. It comes off. There's blood. There's blood. Like, yeah. it really bit him. Liz is all concerned. Everyone's and, all concerned. And he's greasy and slimy. Yeah. And he's looking, and he's looking at him, pointing his finger. Come, come, on, come, come, get, come yeah. get me as he's biting him. And then Liz comes out, right? Oh, and Randy. You're, and you're like... This is not the time for her to be here, but thankfully Jake leaves. He gets out of there, but you're like, holy shit. Yeah. Liz, Jake, Jake's creepy. And I believe he's Jake greasy. afterwards cuts a promo about Liz. He does. Right. And he's just fucking with. The best thing about Jake here is he's getting all like gray and he's just starting to look like really old and weird yeah. by this time. So it's like he's extra junk. But now he's starting to like make comments. And this Liz, is where the talking yeah. comes in, right? He's right. starting to say like. I'll get uh, you. Oh, yeah. You know, so like that Sa kind of thing. So Savage gets reinstated uh, to wrestle because he had been retired, if you recall. Right. And they have this match at Tuesday in Texas, which is six days after Survivor Series, you know, because Tony needed an emergency pay-per-view because Hulk Hogan. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hulk Hogan lost the title. We need a pay-per-view now. <laughs> Basically. That's like <laughs> Never fucking again will he ever lose it. <laughs> right. He even, must win it. Even girl is like, ah, oh, the next available day, this Tuesday in Texas. Bobby, this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so we also have Jake versus... uh. Savage there, right? Right. And Savage wins. He just wins the match. Like, he, he pins him. Because now, especially now that Jake's been talking shit about Liz, yeah, Savage exactly. is, like, unhinged. He's, yeah. he's gotten sat under Savage's skin. So then, though, after Savage wins, Jake attacks him. Liz comes out. Right. And now, now again, you're like, why is she doing yeah, no, Liz, Don't come out. Away, like, yeah, just let Rene Goulet help or whatever. <laughs> just don't get your... He is not the kind of guy that's going to, like, hold back, right? Rene Goulet. You know, those he people. He is there, yeah. yeah. Chief Jay Strongbow or whatever. He can make it out in time. Yeah. He gets fat. <laughs> anyway, Jake now taunting... A, Savage is helpless. Right. And Jake is now towering over Miss Elizabeth. Right. And then what happens, Quinn? He kind of grabs her by the arm, and you're like, oh, no. Like, because he's like, it's like a little violent, right? It's yeah. even like how he does it, right? Right. He starts, like, pointing at her, you know, honey or whatever he's saying. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever, right? Yeah. And then he slaps her, which is like what? all these years of Miss Elizabeth, right? All the heels, like, kind of insinuated that maybe they'll do it, but Jake fucking did it. That was like he crossed. A, it was like it was one thing to sick a snake on Savage, but right. it's a completely other thing to lay hands on Miss Elizabeth. And they talk the the talking on this by both of them. You know, we talked about Savage's part already. Yeah, but the talking in this is really what sells it because Snake's out of his fucking mind. He's creepy weirdo. He's saying rapist. weird fucking like, shit. Yeah. Like, like yeah. it's really, really, it's pushing the envelope for the WWF in 92, 91. Right. I'm telling you that much. And I love that it, it it ends suddenly because all of a sudden the guy that he was using to do this stuff to Randy Savage, like that he was manipulating the Undertaker's even like. This is yeah. one step too far because Jake tries to hit both Savage and Liz with a chair. It's main event, yep. And then the Undertaker's like, no. "Okay, this is <laughs> yeah. we're not. This is 
enough this already. is a step too far even for me the zombie man right yeah. it's like so now he's like he's fucked with the undertaker yep. and that kind of leads to like the end of jake right yeah. the undertaker kind of puts him away the undertaker puts him away they have a quick little match at wrestlemania 8. i like that it's quick it i is. like that the undertaker's like no bye it's like <laughs> you use someone more powerful than you and yep. now we're turning the tables yep. and jake can't fight back now that's the end of his glory days he right. quickly uh goes to wcw has a very brief stint there in 92 still good talker obviously then he lingers in and out of various promotions and and i don't want to get into his personal life he had problems we right. know that this is kind of the end of the glory years of jake the snake yeah no it is now when he comes back to wwf in 96 he's still a good talker but he looks like shit right and but he's still a good talker shirt. and his shirt but yellow snake and he's the impetus for Stone Cold's promo, so we can give him that at least. It's kind of amazing. It is, right? It's like somehow Jake led to that, right? Yeah, it it's is. Like hey. That this old man you're supposed to feel sorry for yeah. character. I'll give him credit. You know, he was still a good talker in the mid-90s. I gotta say, Jake is dynamic in that way, and we don't think about it. But, like, the fact that he was able to put on the sympathy for himself. And put on the shirt. But, like, when Stone sorry. Cold, like, beat him up and talked I shit. I felt bad for Jake. Because you were like... Jake, you, the way they portrayed Jake is that he had turned to the good side, right? He'd found God and like yep. that, like he, his life was turning around, right? Yep. And, and here comes Stone Cold. He beats the shit out of him. And then he like mocks what he's become. And then King takes it one step further. Right. And I was like, King feuding with people still. Like <laughs> I like Jerry Lawler a real lot, but it, I never took it seriously because he was the fucking announcer. The problem with that whole he just thing seemed old is that it's only funny if Jake really in real life is actually recovered. Yeah, and he wasn't. And he wasn't. That and was, that's why it was fucking yeah, sad. Yeah, I know. It was sad. Yeah. No, I don't I didn't like that really. Uh, and then of course the infamous Heroes of Wrestling promo you want to play twenty one. That's rock bottom. That's the worst. But any promo, I don't count that because he's actually inebriated. He's like, it's extremely not, it's not, off. It's not fair to like... I'm not going to count that against yeah, him. Yeah, because no, it's no, no, really no. like he had a problem. I know. And I'm so happy to this day so am I. that he got it. He was one of those guys that's like, he's really going to die this way. Like, and yeah. this is really sad and nobody can seem to... And thank God for DDP. DDP. Like, seriously, for yep. like literally just saying, no, you're living with me and we're like getting rid of this. Yep. Like, enough. Yeah, the Hall of Fame induction, thank God, you know, I mean, because he, he deserves that. And he's even like, I love that as for an him. old man, yeah, the Hall of Fame was, he needed for that. For him. For him, you're no, right. I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, as a fan, whatever. That was part of his goal with DDP. Like That was the goal. DDP said, we're going to get you clean, and you're going to be clean for life, and you're going to be in the Hall of Fame. And, and, that, it's, and it's that's going to be your moment to celebrate. And that helped him reconcile with his family doing that right. Hall of Fame thing. It was a big deal to him. Yeah. So that, and now he even, sometimes now he comes to AEW, and, yes. cuts, and even WWE, and like mm -hmm. everyone's happy to have him, yes. and he, he's been clean ever since. And he's a great talker. Uh, we're going to obviously use his active wrestling career. That's what this segment is. It's not about talkers, uh, commissioners, authority figures, or managers. But man, Jake is one of the best, right? As that guy once said, Jake's the best. Jake's, Jake's the best. He is. He's one of the best of all time. <sighs> all right, let's run it down now. It's ranking time here. Number one, Flair. Two, Dusty Rhodes. Three, Hulk Hogan. Four, Randy Savage. Five is Austin. Six is Piper. Seven's Jericho. Eight is The Rock. Where do we start? Is Mick Foley better than The Rock? Yes. 100%. Okay. Again, now, Rock 1D. This is biggest issue I and know. anybody who has more D is going <laughs> to is going to jump them. Now Jericho's very good. Yes. But is is Mick Foley <laughs> Mick Foley's way better. Now, before people write cards and letters cuz we're not like good enough at watching Jericho or something. Yeah. Even though I've watched some of his AEW stuff since I've been told that it's he's well, still good, but is he's just not. It's one of those situations phenomenal. where we just don't like the character he portrays as much as we like Foley. Uh, just to be fair here. I think that Foley just has an emotional range that Jericho... 
Yeah. The Rock, almost no emotional range, right? Yeah, the problem, almost zero. the problem is with Jericho is I've never felt sorry for him. Well, I don't know that you're supposed to all the time, right? Because yeah, he's usually I mean, a heel. Yeah, but he's been a face before. You know what I mean? True. Like, it's not like... I don't feel sorry for him often either, but like... Yeah, everything's about being a big jerk. And he's good at it. Yeah. I've never said he's bad. I don't it, know like what the it's problem not that he's is. Bad, he's it's good. Just, Mick Foley brings something to Foley's the table totally that's better. so... You know what it is, too, is that... I said this before, but and it's the same with Jake. I think he melds his talking with his wrestling yes. very well, which is something that you can't say for a lot of guys. Sometimes it's like they're very good talkers, but they're they're not good wrestlers. But not it's not even about being a good wrestler. It's about being like melding what you said into the match. You know True. what I mean? No, and, that's and, part I, of it. and I, I find Mick is really good at that. Here's here's my take on why I think Foley is better than Chris Jericho. Okay, Jericho is very good at talking. Like he's a very entertaining talker. No, he is, 100%. I'm not disputing that. To be, even be more fair, I watched some of his AEW promos. I have since, mm. since the last episode. Yeah. He's very good. Right. And, you know what I mean? But yeah. Mick Foley has more emotional depth. Yeah. Mick Foley has more range, in my opinion. More, he's more dynamic. He's been like a million characters. He connects more with yeah. me. That's all. Jericho's good. Okay. Yeah. Piper. 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 Okay, so what's interesting about Piper is that Piper's crazy style character, I think... Excellent. I think that that's one of those characters that's set up for Mick Foley to exist. If you think about it, like just the, the, the unpredictable, crazy aspect of it. He's talking soft and then all of a sudden, bang, bang! Like, you know, like yeah. just like Piper's yeah. kind of that way, right? So Piper is like a, a, a groundbreaker in that sense. But I think Mick Foley eclipsed it. Oh, I do too. Because Piper... Like, yeah, he's a dynamic character, too, because he did heel face. He did, like, yeah, he, was, he was different. He, was, he did, Let's just give it to him. He was different. He wasn't ever, I don't know. Piper is not relatable, though, really. No, no. He's and hard to, like, have an emotional investment in. I think Mick took took some pieces of the Piper crazy character, because you know Mick was probably inspired a little bit by probably. it. Probably. I mean, he started he, wrestling when Piper was hitting his peak, right? So Right, and I, and I just know Mick was a huge WWF fan, even when he was, like, in, because he was from New York, right? So, he, he of course, yeah. he was seeing what oh, was going on over there. He went like, to the fucking Madison Square Garden to see, you know, Snooka Morocco. Right. We know that. So, you know, Piper was somebody that probably shaped, I'm sure. shaped him, right? I'm it, sure in some regard, Quinn. Right. Because he's like, oh, I could, like, that. that's definitely an inspiration for a lot of um, more crazy style characters is Roddy Piper. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Piper's a huge influence. Here's the thing, though. That's the only real mode that Piper knew. And not that he couldn't be serious. He could yeah. as a face. But as I said, some people have said it on the boards, and I do agree. After 87, he was never quite the same. He never really gets to the point. He never recaptures the Piper no. of old. No, he doesn't. Right. Whereas Mick Foley... He's still lovable, though. He's Roddy fine. Yeah. yeah, like he's good. Right. <laughs> okay, so he definitely mixed better than Roddy well, Piper. Well, because I think right? he's more dynamic. Yeah. Again, it's just, again, you can really sink your teeth into Mick Foley's work. Right. Yeah. All around. I, I and agree. Piper, you can appreciate it. Yeah. Maybe get annoyed by the heel version or laugh it, at it. Uh, but Mick now versus Austin, two big players here. Big what, players. What do you think? I actually think while Austin is a great talker, I feel like Mick talking is like his number one thing. That's his bread and butter. I'd put him above Austin. A little bit more. And you know? Yeah. And you know why? Because Austin got over persona. He got over in the ring. He got over for being at the right place at the right time and mm -hmm. the right guy, and he was tremendously talented. But Mick was able to parlay his lack of like a natural wrestler look or ability into one of the most successful 
wrestlers of the 90s. I think these last two guys we got in general, and I just want to say this right here. Yeah. They're talkers talkers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're guys that people who are aspiring to be good on the mic look would to. Would study and look to. Right. You might not study as Steve Austin. Yeah. But Austin Austin's a complete package. He's a five-tool player. Right. Mick isn't. Mick isn't. Jake Roberts isn't. We get to him, but... I mean, I argue Mick's really good in the ring, but... Yeah, but he doesn't have the look. There's different uh, yeah, tools, okay, you know what I'm you're, saying? You're, you're talking about that tool. He doesn't have the look, you're right. No, he doesn't have the look of a wrestler, you know yeah, what I mean? And that exactly. is important. Hogan does. He, built, he does. built that into his character Correct. that he doesn't have the look. Correct. And Jake, too. Jake doesn't look like a wrestler. Yeah, exactly. It's like a chop shop owner, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, but, but, but anyway. Mick is like, he's somebody to study. Mick is somebody to study. He's an excellent uh, psychologist. In yeah. terms of in ring and on the mic. And I think that Mick had a very unique ability amongst a lot of these people to really get you emotionally invested. And I think that's yeah. a key component yeah. of a really good talker is that. Now, speaking of someone to study, Randy Savage here, like here's another guy that he, it's so hard with so this. So we're putting Mick above Austin. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So this, this is going to be the hardest threshold. I personally think there's no way Mick cracks Dusty Rhodes, but... I don't either. Mick's got a fighting chance against the Savage-Hogan pairing. I do. No, I agree yeah. with you. Yeah. Here's the thing about Savage, right? He's known for being one of the most colorful, dynamic, flamboyant, unique wrestlers he's ever. He's got different levels of, you know, when you piss... Like, the, like right. we talked with Jake, like he's a different person. Right. And know? I think talking, actually, for him goes under the radar for some people because they just think Randy Savage, the complete the, package. The robes, yeah. the, the sunglasses. The flying elbow. The flying elbow, the wrestling. The, right. He's got so many things to look at. But he really is a phenomenal talker as well. He right. really, really, really is. He's one of those first guys, too, to... I know this is stupid, but to adapt himself to like a more family-friendly audience like later... Yep. ...that I felt like it kind of worked. Yeah. Like He was able to successfully be like... Oh, you you could send your kids to hang out with, with me. the Macho Man, right? Yeah. You know, like I I don't know how he did it. He did it without seeming super hokey in his time. In his time, and in if his you time, look back right? now, it might be a little dumb. It's but. dumb now, but I'm saying that I thought he adapted what he was and his intensity well, right. to when he needed to be more family friendly, right? So here's the thing: I think with these guys here, Savage and Hogan, we have to just compare big feuds on the mic because it, other than that it's how you're gonna it's just personal preference right yeah. i don't want to go by that so oh, we but, just said savage was involved with jake so that's a that's one great example and that's to jake's credit too so yeah. i mean we'll have to see how that works but savage's mic built feuds especially the the hogan one and i'm talking the 85 86 one and the yeah. 89 one yeah the steamboat one Yep. Him in general in that period of time, right? His steamboat shit is amazing. It's really good, right? Actually amazing. The honky feud is really good. Yep. This is all mic-based stuff. That's yep. where it starts, right? It usually is on the mic. And then obviously the Ric Flair. The Ric Flair one. God. Yeah. The Ultimate Warrior one in ninety one yeah. and ninety two, the other one. I'd even I think this is an unsung savage talking, but the second Ric Flair feud with um in WCW. That's he, excellent. He was actually good. It was like, very good. I think nobody looks at that that second flare it's a one. Good it's, feud. it's actually pretty good. And then I think his best uh, mic work in WCW was the DDP feud. Right. And in general, that's his best feud in, in yep. WCW. So you have all of that for Savage, right? But then you have Mick. I mean, Mick was able to use his promo ability in ECW, which just got him on the map and really was some outstanding stuff. But then for he ECW. became Mr. Promo after that, like everywhere he went. Right. Yeah. That's what he became known for, he right? He could be simple characters, he could be complex characters. Yep. 
he could really do it all. He was able to feud with The Undertaker like consistently for six months and carry that on the mic. He was able to bring an intensity. He was able to bring a uh, present to you, man, fuck that guy, right? Like yeah. when he was like really an asshole like yep. as mankind or something. But then at the same time, like when you found out about his family or something like the that. sit down interview. Yeah. That's like, Mike work. You were like, oh man, I really like this guy. Like he seems right. like a nice guy. It's like, why can't anybody give him a break? You know? The dude love character. That's his Mike work. That's when you're happy for him. That's his, yep. that's his savage, goofy face yep. comparison. The pissed off Cactus Jack that quits. Right. The, the sympathetic heel turning into a sympathetic face mankind. What about the mankind that teamed up with The Rock? Or what about the Cactus Jack, the intensity of 2000? All of this. Another thing we forgot is the fucking heel dude love in 98, by the way. Yeah, there's that. What about heel dude love? There's also the Edge feud where this old, old grizzled veteran gets lured out to fight Edge. Yeah. You know, like that, that all the talking <sighs> with that. As much as I love Savage, I got to give Mick the nod. Okay. I think I have to. Just, yeah. He just I just think him. he's a little better. Savage and might be more. If that's the case, though, it's like. Is he better than Hogan? He might be. Because here's the thing with Hogan is that I don't have that same attachment to Hulk. Hogan. I don't either. Like, as I love the Hulk. Like, the yes. Hulk's great. No, 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 I do too. But he never, ever really pulled at the heartstrings like he no. lives on this different planet than everyone else like and it's weird the reason hogan's as high as he is folks is because for pretty much eight years with a couple of interruptions he carried the mantle for the wwf as their number one guy right with with some interruptions and then he did it again for wcw right and there's a lot to be applauded there but if we're speaking terms of true ability and like relatability and psychology he is not as good as Mick Foley. Mick Foley is literally heralded as like a master class of yes. talking. Like Hulk is Hulk's he's his own great. thing. He's, he's his own great. thing. He's he's I, I, a again, face of a company, a spokesman. He really started the the trend to me of the very like um imaginative promos where he, he makes metaphors and puts you in a place and says that this match is so important because it's like an epic battle yeah, of the gods it's fighting great. each other. Like you know what I mean? It's like a different style and then he's but it's a, not relatable uh, yeah right and then he's a dickhead heel in the nwo and he's great at that he's a goofy heel and i love yeah. his goofy heel stuff that said though Quinn, yeah. i think foley look hogan's bombast is un almost unparalleled yeah. right his his unique ability to bring in bizarre imagery into promos is almost unparalleled he was tremendous it is not a knock on Hulk Hogan to no. be right below Mick Foley no, in a talker's not, list. I, not at all. I don't think now, most people would even have Hogan this high. Now, Foley, unfortunately, I cannot even no. remotely say he touches Dusty Rhodes at all. Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair there's are just like, too much there. they live in a different fucking universe than anybody who's ever talked. Well, there's one major difference, too, between uh, Flair and Dusty versus Foley, is Foley never had to, with with exception of a very brief WWF championship run, Foley never had to carry the promotion the way Flair and Dusty did right. on the mic. And that, they true. have that over him. Foley was able to kind of uh, carve out his own thing and nobody really bugged him. Right. It, it, there wasn't politics involved. Like him winning the world title was like, was a that was like you. a cherry on the top yeah. of like a great career, right? Yeah. But it was an era where the world champion wasn't champion for long. Right. Whereas with a Flair and a Dusty, I mean, this is it, a it whole only made sense game. for Foley to be the world champion because it was a special time yeah. when, when they when everyone was that. really getting the belt. It's like everyone's a champion every other week. Like, right. What's yeah. going on? But anyway, I can agree with you, Quinn. Foley at number three. Right. Okay. That's that's where he belongs. Now with Jake Roberts, 
he's better than The Rock? Yep, better than Jericho Piper. I, I don't even okay. have to think about it. Better than Austin Savage. Well, before we get... Like, okay, you know, like, I agree. Yeah. But based on what? Give me something. If, if Everything <laughs> we said about Foley, Jake is like it, it, the you, next level. Like, you so know you what apply I mean? it to Jake as well. Right, yeah. Now, Jake never won a title. Jake never carried a promotion. He was never to. a number one. I know that, but I'm saying when the pressure's off, you can be more flexible. Right, but here's the thing I want to emphasize about that with Jake. Yeah. Is that it wasn't because the pressure was off. Okay. It was because he was so damn good that he didn't fucking need it, and he never needed to, like, attempt. Like I said, in my brain, when I look at Jake the Snake, I say, oh, well, he could just you know, if Hulk Hogan got in his way, like he would take care of it. No, I know that. I'm not saying he should have won a title. That's not the point I'm trying but to I'm make. But I'm saying it takes a lot to build a character like that. And that was what was so good about his talking. I agree with you. I know. I totally agree. What I'm trying to say here is that is it because he was never the champion, never had to be a number one in a company that he is able to be this kind of alternative rock you know, in promo ability. I, because does he didn't have to be broad. He didn't have to be mainstream. That's all I'm asking. I, I think it's not... That's not why. It's it's because it's just... Just how he was, his right? His character's so strong. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it, it just... It, it stands out above titles. Let me ask you a question, and I think this is a true testament to Jake, right? Yeah. His wrestling ability considered, right? His look considered... If he didn't have that talking ability, is he a Sal Bolomo? Maybe. Right? That's yeah. what I'm saying. He's a nobody. Right. You know? His talking was so, and his, his psychology, not just talking, but the overall right. you know, ensemble yeah. of Jake Roberts, was so damn good that he parlayed having this shit look, really. It is right. for a wrestler in the 80s. He built it into his character. Right. He's slimy. And he parlayed having this greasy motherfucker jewelry salesman look to him. Yeah. He parlayed that into one of the all-time best-remembered characters because he was such a good talker. Right. Savage could work. Yeah. Hogan could work. Foley could work. In a weird way, Jake, here's a weird I mean, comparison. Not that Jake couldn't work. You here's know what I mean. an absolutely bizarre comparison. What? But he's creepy in the way that Waylon Mercy, for example, is creepy. Like that, like weird, like low talker, and it's like close talker. I don't know if he's gonna hurt somebody. What's his deal? Like it could happen right now. The point is, is that you talk all titles and headlining and stuff. That's what I mean. He never had. I mean, here's the thing, though, is on the house show circuit, Jake was like, like a huge deal. They did. They could put him in the main event on the other show, and it would sell out a fucking twenty thousand seat arena easily. My favorite thing about Jake is that until like the Randy Savage feud, all of his feuds were really big, really important, and all the matches sucked. Yeah, <laughs> that's my favorite no, part. Nobody cared. <laughs> like the rude matches stink. Nobody cares. I know. That's like, what I mean. the, yeah, the DB Hussey matches. We didn't stink. even talk about the Cheryl Roberts thing. I know. We don't like, really need to. But, I think uh, everyone knows it. But yeah, but the matches suck. But no one cared. That's that, what I mean. That's like the power. That's like that's, a testament. That's <laughs> that how much he has everyone in the palm of his hands, right? right? It's like, you don't even remember <laughs> looking back that every match sucked butt. Right, like, until Savage. Those are good. Yeah. Those are actually good. But you don't even need to, right. because you just remember, like, I still can't emphasize enough, that DBOS match at six is awful. <laughs> well, it's, relative to what it should have been. It's terrible, <laughs> but... I feel like the most important thing in the world is like about to happen. Right. That's the whole like, thing. It's like this epic buildup, muck of avarice. You know yeah. what I mean? Like all these things. And the match is like a headlock, a yeah. front face lock. There's okay. a wave in it. There's a wave in it. That said, does Jake have to compete against Hulk Hogan? We're, we're calling him better than Savage, I think is where you stopped. I did stop there. 
Is he um, better than Hogan as a talker? As a talker? I think so. I think he is too. There's something more gritty and realistic, even though it's even though it's a guy carrying a snake and that doesn't happen. There's something like this guy could I could see existing. It's just like it's weird. Yeah, yeah. And there's just something about Jake where I could listen to him talk all day. I can't with I love Hogan, right. but I can't like watch back to back to back to back Hogan promos. Yeah. Eventually, you're going to get tired of that. It's the gritty realism of Jake the Snake. I don't know what it is about him. And it's every just, promo's different. Yeah, every promo's different. He he seems to always be on the pulse of like who he's fighting, and he can, yeah. and he can really hone in on something like why they need to be defeated and why Jake the Snake needs to unleash the dangers of Jake the Snake right. on him. No, I agree, Quinn. So it's really down to Jake versus Foley now. This is so hard. Like th- these two are so hard. I think they're both tremendous talkers. I could argue that somehow Mick was able to kind of get just an inch better than Jake. It's possible. I don't know, Quinn. It's I don't know. That I'm just saying I don't think it's it's hard to see a universe like that here. You know, th- a, a, or a list like that. I think Jake Roberts is so unique for his time. Mick was too, but I think Jake was just more innovative groundbreaking yeah. as a I, talker i personally what i love about jake is that and i know i keep saying this but i i find it so interesting that he in a way he's a man of few words but he's also the greatest talker ever right and i just i don't know how you cultivate a character like that it's, it's, it's tremendous i don't get it like it's just he doesn't have to say much but it's it means so every word every syllable means so much with Jake the Snake Roberts. I know. It's crazy. All the way up to the end. Whereas Mick might have to give you a long story to get his point across. Maybe. Maybe. Dewey Kane, whatever. Kane Dewey. Dewey Kane, yeah. Dewey Kane. Vote for Dewey Kane. Vote for Dewey Kane. That's like like a long promo. I know. That that is a lot of uh, explanation. I know. But it's um, also ECW. Right, I get it. Different time. My point is, is that Jake, he somehow melds this man a few words with the best talker of all time, and I don't know how. I'm fine with putting Jake above Mick. Yeah, I, I'm going to say it right but here. Barely, Jake is not going above Dusty either. No, the same reasons we said about Mick, it, Flair and Dusty are legitimately two of the best ever. Jake right. and Mick are right behind them, as far as I'm concerned. And then you have the Hogan, and I don't think that that's anything to be ashamed of for anyone on this okay. list. Okay, how about this? I say Jake at three. Then I do too. Quinn. I just wanted no, I, to to float. You know, because that's a hard one. But. I think that, I think that they're almost equal. I think the only thing that Jake has on Mick is that he was a little bit more innovative. Yeah, I think I can. I, I like them both equally. So essentially, we've carved out a new section here uh, again. Well, people that are just master psychologists. I right, mean, yeah. Flair and Dusty are five tool play. Well, Dusty, in his own way, I guess his tool yeah. is a little fat. But <laughs> Flair and Dusty are like toppermost of the poppermost overall. Carried the company, right? Yeah. Jake and Mick are like master psychologists that can really build a feud and work They're that like in. They're like you're going to school and talking. Yep. Hogan Savage and Austin, right. in my opinion, are three like top tier talkers, top level performers right, that yeah. were the faces of their company. Roddy Piper, Jericho. And the Rocker Marty. Insult Comedians. Yeah. Essentially. And, but Roddy Piper's the more innovative of the three, so he goes to the top, right? Yeah. And yeah. Jericho is still wrestling and still doing this, so credit to him for the right. millionth fucking time. And no, credit good. that he's one of the reasons why people like AEW. He's above the rock. I know. Like, is that, like, good? And, Can, I, I think that's pretty good. <laughs> I know. And, uh, and that's the 10. I'm okay with it. Before we roll credits here on this, I just want to mention, because some people are probably wondering some guys that didn't make it, right? Right. 
Arn Anderson would be the next yeah, one. Yeah, isn't he in the opening? Yep. Arn Anderson. Yeah, and yeah. you know what? I would have had no problem with Arn making this list too. Yeah. I think Arn is phenomenal you as well. You know what? I got to say this though. What? I think it, at number 11, he perfectly landed because unfortunately, I think Iron can't make it past the rock, sadly. I and, don't know. Uh, I could make a case for that, Quinn. Maybe. I could have. I really could have. Iron's like a good day-to-day. Uh, Terry Funk made it, which he could have been, yes. Yes. Terry Funk's very good. Jerry Lawler. Excellent. So these are people that all could have made it. John Cena was behind Lawler, which I don't uh, know. I don't know about that. Uh, I like Cena. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but it's a little high. And then I'll give you one more. Billy Graham, who I was surprised didn't get more votes. I, that's crazy. Is it? Talk about innovator, <laughs> right. right? Billy Graham was really good. Yeah. Uh, I'm he's, not one gonna... d- he's one D. He's like rock. Yeah, I know, but he was really good. Yeah. Uh, so we'll leave it at that, but let's run him down, Quinn. The official best talkers of all time. Obviously, this is a certified scientific list. This is super hard-coded now yeah. in the history. Yep. At number one, Ric Flair. Two, Dusty Rhodes. Three, Jake Roberts. I feel okay about that. I'm fine with that. For Mick Foley. Again, I feel good about it. Uh, Saint Mick. <laughs> yeah, really. Saint Nicholas over yeah. here. He is Santa Quinn. Number five, Hulk Hogan, which again, for someone that people don't think of Hogan as like an all-time talker, I think five is very fair. It's crazy he was sitting at three for so long. I know. Six, Randy Savage. Seven, Steve Austin. Eight, Roddy Piper. Nine, Chris Jericho. And ten is The Rock. Folks, let us know yours, but as I always say... Let us know why. And you can do that on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us or join the group of Quinn. When we come back, we're reviewing something, and I don't even know if they know what it is, like the people that did it. It was was hideous. (laughs) It was hideous, folks. It is the WXO, whatever that is. And it is coming up right after this. a woman how could you a woman no man wants a woman that's gonna lay down and grovel and beg for somebody's life if it's a woman that i want i want her to stand up stand up and be that be what i want as far as slapping her yeah i slapped her but i'll slap myself i'll slap you gene oakland but i'll tell you something randy savage ddt and you was fine that really felt good Best feeling I've ever had in my life is when I grabbed a hold of your woman's hair, man, and jerked her up off of her knees. Huh? That was good. And then when I put my hand across her face, my man, it felt so good I should have to pay for that. Yeah, I would pay to do that. So the next time you think about crossing this snake's path and a snake chooses his own path where nobody else wants to go, you think about it again. But if you do decide to, please do me one little favor. I'm begging you. Please bring her back. Let me touch her again. Oh, get out of here, please, Robert. I can cultivate her into something that even I could want. Oh, please. Huh? I could do that. Hello, wrestling fans. It's Joe here. And while we're on a break, I just wanted to take a moment to shout out three friends of the show. Check out the New Day podcast. Hosted by three guys that have actually worked in the actual wrestling business. I'm talking about Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston. And Big E. They're going to bring their unique perspective as fans, but also as people that actually work in the industry to a very creative and entertaining podcast. Go- 
New Day podcast. And then check out Greetings from Allentown, hosted by one man, Peter Winston. He'll take you on a whimsical journey through retro wrestling's past. It's unique, it's quirky, it's Greetings from Allentown. And finally, if you like your retro wrestling slathered in barbecue sauce, check out Mike Mills and Book in the Territory as they bring you the very best in the Southern Fried Wrestling. We're talking about Smoky Mountain and the NWA. It's Book in the Territory. So again, our three friends of the show, The New Day Podcast. Greetings from Allentown and booking the territory. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us. Here it is, episode number 189. 189! Before we review something, I just want to remind everybody, if you want to vote, Next season's Royal Rankings, right? We'll say yep. it again. Go to the Facebook group. That's where you do it. Get in there. You and got also, like three weeks or something, yep. right? You got a little bit of time left. Oh, and also we're doing a segment next season where we're taking your questions because it's Fan Appreciation Week. You know, we're counting down to 200. Yep, 10 weeks of Fan Appreciation Week. That's right. That's yeah. it. 10 weeks of Fan Appreciation Week. So send in any questions, any topics for discussion. You can also do that on our Facebook group, okay? That would really be good for you if you want to hear us talk about stuff. Now, we're reviewing... <laughs> The WXO. Whatever that means, like, because nobody knows. <laughs> well, this was suggested by Chris uh, Cassie. Cass. Cass. Cassay. Chris Cassay. <laughs> Chris Cassay. Cass Cassay. Thanks a lot, Chris. I had never Whoa. seen this before. Now, I thought I did because this reminded me of something else. Well, I, what are, yeah, because you had mentioned, like, didn't it feel like we reviewed this already? Yeah, so I swear. <laughs> There was like a company with an an extreme or what? something in it, like not ECW. <laughs> no, like, no, no. What am I thinking of? Was You're it, thinking of XWF from X- 2001. XWF, yes, yes, with the nasties. Yes, yes, with the nasty boys and and King and Jimmy Tony Hart. Schiavone on commentary. No prima donnas, baby. No more prima donnas. Yeah, yeah, that whole thing. No more prima donnas. Awful. Yeah. So that said, uh, no, this is the WXO, which. We're not going to get into all the details in one shot here. You know, there's yeah. a lot of things to talk about, but I will say this. There was a guy named Howard Lipnit. That, that's not his name. That's Lipnit. Lip- and <laughs> Mr. Lipman from yeah. Seinfeld yeah. Uh, founded this promotion. It existed in January 2000 is when it started here. And what we are reviewing, and we'll, get, we'll give you more info as it goes, folks. So this is a story for yeah. you, is WXO episode three from January 30th, 2000. As you mentioned, Quinn, yes, it feels like something we've reviewed, but oh, it's not. Yeah, the other thing is indie feds in 2000 that aren't ECW always feel weird to me. <laughs> like, like, I'm like, how do they, like, there is only one indie fed yeah. at this point. ECW. Yeah. Uh, thanks a lot again, Chris Cassay, or whatever your name is. Chris as we, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce it, but anyway, we get a cold open CGI here, Michael. Also, the logo explodes out of an explosion. <laughs> what a pile of shit. Was this even on? I didn't even like see no like any indication, like in the call UPN or you know something like just any US. UPN. Yeah, I don't know. WB like, PAX. Like this seems like it'd be on PAX. PBS maybe. Yeah. I have C-SPAN. Yeah, I have no idea if you got this where you. I think Mick Price said that he had it somewhere. It must have been only in like very select locations. I guess who would, very select. Who would pick this up? <laughs> anyway, we get a recap from last week where. Dan Severn was beating up somebody in a mask. Uh, it was Al Green, if you care. There's like all this dramatic music over <laughs> The it. music was so, it was way too serious for way what f- I was watching. And way too loud, also. Yeah. A hole. He the ankle again. Oh, oh, 
just know also just wow this show looked like poo like yeah. it, like i just mean to say like the actual like resolution of this yes. this is on youtube unfortunately yeah. and it's probably like 240p like <laughs> <Barely>. the lowest <laughs> the lowest like visible visible resolution possible for a human most visible p yeah uh, next up uh, fred ottman yelled shit and then barry darso Cut a promo, and then we see him beating up Mike Enos. Of course, Barry Darso's in this. Of course he is. And by the way, Mike Enos, yeah, the, the Maulers the here. Yep. I didn't even see him. And that, we, that was like for two seconds. Yeah, it was beating up Mike Enos. And then we get the formal intro to the show here, which is extremely irritating. I'll just let you comment on it, Quinn. It's like rappers or something going, "Ho, oh, ah, oh, ho, oh, ah, oh, ho, oh. It's it's horrible. I'm not even making it up. Here we go. Time for the show. Go, run, go, all to the like it's insane. It's real, it's real. I can't even believe that that's just their theme. It's like they, it, it's like they saw do not die. Yeah, from Raw. That's they, what it is. And they like wanted to. What what is some other indiscernible music? That's the one, right? Yeah. That's one that they're we're gonna imitate here. Uh, we're taped here from Lakeland, Florida. I had to find that out. They don't tell you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Lakeland. And our announcers, of course, it's Lakeland, Florida. Like, of course, it's like not Tampa, but almost Florida seems appropriate for this. For this yeah. central fucking Florida on yeah. the coast. Anyway, it's Chris Cruz, okay, okay, and Stan Lane. They welcome us, and the arena is very scary looking, like spotlights everywhere. But like, see, here's the thing: I'm perfectly okay with this announcement, yeah. even though Stan has some <laughs> short, junky hair and like crispy as a goatee now. But still, at least it's like people we know, right? Yeah, it's, like, it's good, so acceptable announcers. At this point, I'm like. This will be okay, yeah. right? I mean, Crispy and, He's reliable. and Stan Lane's great. Like yeah, he is. No, I don't he, mind him. His hair sucks ass, though. It's just what bad, is this hair? But it's just his hair shouldn't matter as far as the announcing. It's like point. Ronnie Garvin's hair. I don't though. know what is, he's trying to be extreme or whatever. The, whatever the X stands it for doesn't in this. Stand. Uh, it, don't worry about it. A new era in professional wrestling, and so family friendly. I'm Chris Cruz, along with Sweet Stan Lane. <laughs> Chris Cruz says this is a very family friendly wrestling. And now we talk about the commissioner, Ted DiBiase. I, I want to know, Quinn, why yeah. would DiBiase like work? Why would he take the job? He's, he doesn't need the money. And he wants his own wrestling promotion for some reason. Because, you know, the Million Dollar Corporation, that shit didn't work out, right? He was going to take over wrestling that way. Yep. Now he's just going to be like, you know what? I'll just start my own wrestling company. Yeah. And you want to know something? He really was the co-owner with Harvey Lipman or whatever his what? name is. Harvey Lipschitz. How did he have the... I thought the millions of dollars was just a gimmick. How is no, he... He really founded this with that guy. Sounds terrible. Harvey Slipknot. What was his name? It doesn't even matter, right? Maybe he wanted to be a real million dollar man. Right. Founding a company with Harvey Danger. Whatever yeah. the fuck Who is, is this man? I don't know. I've never heard of that guy. Anyway, Stan Lane says that DiBiase is going to rule this place with an iron hand, which is not the phrase. Iron fist. Mr. DiBiase, from day one, said, I'm going to rule this with an iron hand. I'm going to make it the way it's got to be. Uh, apparently, things have been way too crazy lately, you know, all two episodes that we've had, because Ted promised clean finishes. They say that phrase. In 2000, that's asking a lot. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, really. So he's going to fix this shit. And then Lane references Quinn DiBiase's wallet. So you know that the million dollar man thing is at least their canon. Well, that's true. He could just pay everyone off. Hey, he, they can't call him the million dollar man, but it's implied, and right? he's got money with his face on it, like in, in kayfabe. Now, where is that accepted, that currency? Oh, it's all over the world because, you know, he he runs all the markets and everything. That's True. like, he he's the Million Dollar Man. You know what the thing about the Million Dollar Man that's really funny to me just in general in <laughs> what? kayfabe? What? Is that they imply that he's possibly the richest man in the world also. Yeah, there is like, that implication. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like that he, he can make his own money. He's so rich. Do you think Tatanka still has like suitcases full of that currency? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely, right? Yes, 100%. So Cruz says that DiBiase is not only the CEO, but he's also the CFO. That's really great. I care. Uh, Mr. DiBiase now enters looking like very Steiner Brothers era from yeah. WCW, all black He's suit. that one. Yeah, he's that one. Old school. Yeah. Is, is, is like his MO. I guess he kind of gets cheered. I can't tell. It's also very good, Quinn, that the WXO is you know very much differentiating itself from WWF and WCW by opening with an in-ring promo. This is all very 2000. <laughs> very. This is very like, this is what the mainstream expects with their wrestling in this time. I'm not kidding. Yeah, like, I know. That's all they're going for. They still do. Yeah. It's 20 years later and that's still how they do things. That's true. That might be part of the problem. You ever think of that? Why don't they just make it like championship wrestling? Why don't they just do something that, different? That, Remember when NWA Power did yeah. stuff and they're like, yeah, this is good. Yeah, that's at least true. It's they, different. They did different things. <laughs> anyway, DiBiase basically tells everyone out back there to listen up because as long as he's paying for this shit, it's all up to him. <laughs> With the fake cheers. Yeah. <laughs> the crowd was very fake during oh, this. Oh, the noise is all dubbed in. It's yeah. terrible. Now, and apparently, Quinn, Adam Pierce, yes, like that Adam Pierce, mm -hmm. he interfered in some match last week, and that's not going to fly. Adam Pierce with hair, by the way. <laughs> like, see the which clip. Is very off putting. Yeah. I'm I don't think I've ever seen the guy with hair. Yeah, he definitely has long he hair here. He bold in like 2005. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That's not even far that's after true. this. Uh, for the record, by the way, can I just state. I really don't like the way these fair weather fucking startup promotions here, like this and the XWF, they literally just trudge out some pseudo relevant wrestler to be the commissioner. Like they did with Sable yeah, and the it's, XWF. It's the same like, thing. Stop doing that. It's like here's an older wrestler that you probably know because yeah. they were in WF. Like cut, that's all yeah. it is. Cut it out. Yeah. Anyway, DiBiase is going to be making some match that I guess is supposed to be bad. It's Adam Pierce and Tommy Rogers. Yeah, that Tommy Rogers, by the way, taking on some mystery team. I guess DiBiase knows mystery partners, yeah. huh? Well, we, we just saw it. See the Survivor <laughs> Series 90 area. So anyway, Pierce and Rogers come out looking really, really, really stupid for a match that they're already scheduled for. So it's not the mystery team. They're taking on the bodies. Yeah, I can't emphasize how much he looks weird with hair. He looks like an accountant that rides a motorcycle on the weekend. <laughs> like, that's like literally what he looks like. That is the aesthetic, though. Yeah. Seriously, like that kind of long hair. Right. Uh, even the announcers are like, so wait a minute. What happens now? When when are they? They're fighting twice? Yeah, like, it was confusing. Good job. Good DBS way to start like, a show. Because, yeah, the two seconds ago, DBS, and they're fighting these guys, these mystery men, right? And, and then, then they, they come out right afterwards and like, oh, wait, they had like a scheduled thing. <laughs> they they got to fight some jobbers first. Wait, what? What? So then I'm half expecting when the ref to be Billy Silverman, but <laughs> year, it's not. Year, that was a good yes though <laughs> then the bodies that's literally their name they wander out they have pink pants they look stupid really bodies the bodies chris cruz now says he's gotten a message now from the commissioner's office and yes pearson rogers will face the mystery team later dibiase just fucking said that we don't need yeah but i think what it is is that they confuse their audience by having dibiase say this then they come out immediately oh. after and are fighting. So they have to like actually explain what the hell's going on. Really so, good way to start yeah. the show. It's just confusing. <laughs> yeah. Because they aren't fighting the mystery team. No, so they're you fighting might, the bodies. Right. You might think first of all, because it's only episode three, right? You might think you're watching this and you're like, oh, I guess the bodies are the mystery right, team, right? But no, they're not. They're not. Some somebody else is. Anyway, Pierce starts with a body. I think their name's such, Quinn, because they're literally warm bodies. They're somebody. Human bodies. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, Cruz emphasizes how family-friendly this is as Pierce nails a plancha to the floor. That was actually impressive. It I'll was. give him that. It was. Another body up here dropped to hold by Pierce front face lock, tagged Rogers. Cruz mentions that there's no mats outside the ring because, you know, family friendly and all this. Did 
Bill Watts booked this show. What the fuck? <laughs> Fucking Mats. I hate yeah. him. Get the Mats out of he here. He hates it, right? <laughs> I hate I want you to hurt yourself. Yeah, and no jumping off the top row for <laughs> any of that you. shit. Anyway, Cruz and Stanley and then talk about how to pronounce cement. Cement. Like Stanley really like he's like, I'm gonna make it funny. <laughs> right out there in that cement. I think what is it you said last week or the week before you beat cement? Well, actually cement, but uh, you know, for North Carolina, sometimes you say cement, and that works for me. I really like these announcers, to be honest, individually and together. They're fine. Anyway, Rogers is now off the second rope. Double ox handle tagged to Pierce off the ropes of the splash for two as the other body breaks it up. They don't say the body's names. That's why I'm not. They 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 never tell us who they are. No, so I'm just saying that. Not the first time. Body number one, body number two. Okay, fine. Double team by the faces now and Rogers is back in with a big power slam. This fake crowd noise is so bad, by the way. Like, it's, it's unbearable. It's, poor. it's just yelly the whole time. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. Oh, yeah, that's good. But it's, it's horrible. Awful. Cruz says something about Rogers making sure Pierce doesn't get swerved. Stop. I hate that. Bodies cheat to take it. Isn't that why people didn't like WCW this year? Because WCW tried doing that. <laughs> yeah, they, bad. They attempted to be like, oh, our audience is smart. So yeah, let's, but let's appeal to them. And nobody. Most of them aren't. Yeah, it's weird. You don't want Smarks as your core audience because then you only have like 700,000 of them. You gotta talk to them like as far as how you're doing the program and they're trying to predict them. It doesn't work. It's bad. You don't don't book to them. No. Uh, Haven't we learned that? Yeah. (laughs) WCW was the guinea pig for that. They were the first to try it. And and it it didn't didn't work. work. Yeah. Right now we're still supposed to listen to the fans. The fans that they won't listen to are the Smarks. I don't get it, man. They're never happy. (laughs) Anyway, the bodies cheat to take advantage flying clothesline by somebody off the rope and a big Bob Bradley pose by one of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Like the big dramatic pose. Yeah. Cruz brings up how Pierce trained with Ken Patera when he was like 16 or some shit, even though you couldn't wrestle because of contracts. That didn't stop them in the UK, did it? (laughs) It's true. You remember on Dynamite Kid at like 13 wrestling in his underpants. He debuted when he was 11. (laughs) It's weird. Yorkshire. Anyway, clothesline by the other body gets two. Pierce with a desperation DDT. Both men are down. That was poor. It looked bad. Hot tag to Rogers. He cleans the terrarium or wherever the hell this is being broadcast from. Death Valley Driver, which is called the Tamikaze by Rogers. What the fuck does that even mean? I don't. Kamikaze, I guess. His name is Tommy. Oh my god, that's terrible. I didn't say it was good. I didn't even, that didn't even occur (laughs) to me. That's because it's bad. Uh, Pierce allegedly attacks Rogers, his own partner, but I didn't see it. One of the bodies sneaks in with the northern lights and gets a bridge for the pin. That was like barely on camera. (laughs) Like they were just like, he turned on him. And you're like, when? What? I had to rewind it. I still didn't see him do it. Okay, good. (laughs) Because I didn't rewind it. I was just, I just literally noticed like, I swear they didn't show that. They didn't really. Yeah. He like kind of vaguely kicked him, but like the camera just caught. Pierce oh my turning God. on. That's horrible. I know. So anyway, yes. Pierce has turned on Tommy Rogers and the bodies have won and Pierce just leaves. Oh, double crosses. and Wait, why would Pierce even turn? He has another match with the guy later. Why would he do that? It's all bad. That Glenn. seems like a bad idea, right? Yes. Because now you don't have a tag partner or he's... I don't know what's going to happen. It's poor. No, it's yeah. poor. It's all bad. Doesn't make any sense. I know. We got a break now and we come back with a replay of DiBiase from earlier. That's really helpful. And back to the announcers now. Where Stan Lane promises to go find out what the hell is going on, because I know Ted DiBiase. So he starts to leave, but like legit gets caught in his headset, which is kind of funny. And we'll get Stan some help here. He has been tied down by the crew. And then some lady named Jennifer Hart comes over to sit with Chris Cruz as Stan Lane leaves. What is this crap? Who is she? This is where this show took like a huge turn. Like at first you just think 
oh, this is going to be just a regular shitty wrestling yeah, show. Yeah, regular shitty. And then this happens. Mean <laughs> Maniac Manny comes down. He looks like a fucked up Gumby mechanic or something. Who is this? This is the worst gimmick ever. What He's got, is like, that? face paint of like Aja Kong on. He looks terrible. Shiny green tank top. What yeah, is short this? hair. Oh my God. He looks horrible. And his name is Manny Fernandez, but it's not, not that, that. Not that if one. It, if it is, I'd shit my pants, honestly. I don't <laughs> yeah, that, think it is. He looks pretty young. Yeah. Uh, then we get a clip of Fred Ottman getting stuck in his car last week. Can I just reiterate that in the intro, I just thought that that was some fat person. Fred Ottman? I didn't even think it was Uncle Fred. I know. Like, I didn't either I, at first. I, I just thought, oh, look at that fat guy. Yeah, whatever. I was like, oh, they have a fat guy. It's yeah. Fred Ottman. It's, more, all, it's literally Uncle Fred. And we see him getting stuck in his car, and then he yelled at Jennifer Hart. Who the hell is Jennifer Hart? Like, seriously, who the hell? No, no. And I swear, and I just want to say this when they were helping him out of his car, yeah. I swear one of the old men helping him was fucking even Stevens. Maybe, I didn't notice like, that. Ray, Ray Stevens. No. Like, I'm not joking. It he was looked dead. Like, no, he wasn't. He died in 96. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. I'm just going to say it's even Steven because I'm hoping he was around then. Anyway. I don't know who Jennifer Hart is. Meanwhile, Eric Watts enters the ring with Zandig. The fuck is it? <laughs> what the fuck is going on? And you know what? Here's the thing. It's now for sure we know Bill Watts is involved with this shit because we had the mats. And now fucking Eric Watts. Like, good lord. Who would hire that idiot? Like, why would you? You have to have Bill Watts' involvement for him to be hired. Well, yeah, because Eric Watts, folks, you might recognize from Techno Team 2000. And also just being generally just being, shitty in WCW as Eric Watts. Watts. Being shitty Eric Watts before that. And he thinks he's so good here, Quinn. What's with his Matt Hardy gear <laughs> on, by the way? You he's that? literally wearing like Matt Hardy gear. You're right. <laughs> and anyway, Chris Cruz then asked Jennifer if uh, if he'd look good in those pants that Watts has on. Would I look good in those pants? Absolutely. I thought so. <laughs> Is she really a heart? Like, who is she? You know, I had a third cousin named Jennifer. She talks like one, though, like one of the heart sisters. She's not a heart. Like, you know how, like, the under Badly. the understated, like, confused awkward. That's like what Ellie or something. They talk like they're chewing. Yeah. <laughs> There's a family salty little bully. You know? <laughs> they used to call us heart fart. Oh, it was so bad. Anyway, Jennifer Hart here looks like she belongs on two guys, a girl in a pizza place. Very, that, yes. Right? Seriously exactly. with that haircut. Yeah. Very not like kidding. Jennifer Aniston, but not. The the Rachel. Yeah. But it's 2000. It's very in. Anyway, Chris Cruz now brings up how Eric Watts was the PWI Rookie of the Year in 1992, and he's single. Great. <laughs> also, the referee, still not Billy Silverman, sadly. Like manager at Applebee's, this ref. <laughs> Seriously. Ah, anyway, Watts is here, uh, wrestling kind of like test, but I'll tell you what, he's not passing this test. And also, can I say, good lord, Maniac looks stupid. <sighs> oh yeah. my goodness. Awful looking. This Awful. guy looks like some carny ass shit. Totally. Like at the state fair. Like beneath this promotion. Yeah. <laughs> like he's not even good enough for this. It's sad. This crap now spills to the outside where Zandig... Like, <laughs> what is that name? It's he, horrible. He lands a vertical suplex on the floor, which is very family friendly. Also, Quinn, did you notice there's like banquet tablecloths <laughs> yeah. on the announce tables? Why, it's like they couldn't get black tablecloths to make it like blend in. They're white fluffy tablecloths. They went to like literally like Party City before and like just got the cheap, you know, the white they steal that from like a hotel yeah. what is that i don't it's no it's literally like the party supply I know, store it's bad by the way let's finally mention it zandig is a wrestler named john zandig and he was the founder of combat zone wrestling first of all remember czw oh yes that 
but mainly you'd remember him for Jesus. Oh, he's that That's guy. Him. Wow, he was much more pudgy when he said yeah. that. Well, this is a, this is a little while before. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Watts is back in now, looking like Brian Adams with a crummy slam. Meanwhile, Jennifer Hart sounds as if Mary Tyler Moore from WrestleMania Six was on commentary. I'm not kidding. Same level of expertise. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Oh, it's the best of the action and theater or something. <laughs> what do you think of lime green? Is that in season? Uh, more outside crap from Zandig here as he rams Manny into the post. Cover gets the win for Watts. He stinks. Watts? He just stinks. He's not yeah. good. No. He's awful. This whole thing was not good, really, Quinn. <sighs> it's just very lame very and boring. boring. Yeah. yeah. Then Manny falls over near the announcers and Cruz is funny. He's like, how you doing? <laughs> that, that was funny. <laughs> Crispy, <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> Crispy can still whip it out every he, now and then. But he might be with yeah. Jennifer for all yeah. we know. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, he's talking over there. I was saying. Anyway, go to break. And we come back to see some footage, Chris Cruz says, from the Egg Dome earlier in January. Egg Dome. That's the Tokyo Dome, right? right? Where Johnny Ace and Mike Barton cool. are facing Kenji Okasomi and Mitsu Arakawa for the All Japan Tag Titles. Oh, what? Like, what the fuck is this? Why is this here? Why is Chris B. Cruz saying Johnny Ace is well-known America in America? He isn't! Isn't he well-known for not being well-known in yes! America? Like, Chris for B. only being good in like, Japan? Like, as he's calling, it's like, very big name <laughs> in, in the USA, Johnny Ace, everyone's heard of him. He literally, like, was on a skateboard that one time with fucking, like, Shane, Shane Douglas, Douglas, when Shane Douglas wasn't even the good Shane <laughs> Douglas yet. Like, and nobody cared. But the whole thing that American fans probably know Johnny Ace for is only being known in Japan. Or being on Total Bellas now. Don't bring that up. Like, that's literally John his... Laryngitis. I can't believe that's, like, his biggest role of all time, is being well, on Total Bellas and being, like, the heel GM that time. Please don't bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> now, I need to clarify, like, half a dozen things here. Mike Barton is Bart Gunn. Wow, I could not even tell from that blurry Egg Dome footage. Uh, second of all, we're not in the Egg Dome. What? Wait, what? Third of all, Kenji Okasomi is not the name of any wrestler that's ever existed. <laughs> Wait, what? Fourth of all... Mitsu Arakawa died in 1997. That's not him. <laughs> wait, wait, wait a sec. These are all like everything is a lie. Yeah. Uh, fifth of all, this took place on June 9th, 1999, about seven months before Chris what? Cruz is saying. Next, Barton and Ace actually lost these titles. They won here on July 23rd. What the fuck is this, Joe? And their actual opponents that are in the ring are Jun Akiyama and Kenta Kobashi. Excuse so, me? So basically, Chris Cruz just loaded... Chris Cruz just rattled off a plethora of lies here. No Egg Dome. That's not their actual opponents. They didn't just win these in January. By the time this aired, they don't have the titles, and it's totally different people. I'm dumbfounded. You actually, like, I didn't know any of that. I know. That's, I'm dumbfounded that all of that was lying. It's all lies. That's crazy. They're not even in the Egg Dome. That's the funniest part to me. Yeah. And, oh, and one of the wrestlers they're saying doesn't exist, and the other name is dead. That's amazing to me. I can't even believe that. It's real. But anyway, we get a hideous promo now from Johnny Ace about how they're in the WXO now instead of Japan. It's not something to brag about, old man. <laughs> and then he's got the line of the night, Quinn. What does the X stand for? We don't know. We don't care. Well, I don't know either, so I can understand. His I wasn't even like mad at him. No. Like I was like, actually, I'm okay with this promo just because he like finally said what needed to be said. Because the truth is, folks, it, this promotion, the initials don't stand for anything. Right. I think it's no. just wrestling organization. <laughs> With an X in the middle. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. Just like, yeah, wrestling organization. Okay. Yeah, fine. Uh, is it like X as in versus? You know, sometimes in Japan, they say they put an X instead of versus. Wrestling versus organization. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're really going downhill, I gotta this say. This is a 
piece of shit, huh? Getting worse here. Go back to ringside where Chris Cruz and Jennifer are still at ringside. I can't believe she's still there. Like, I can't believe it. She's bad. Yeah. Uh, entering the ring is Adonis. What? <laughs> Who? He looks like midday Brian Lee. Yeah, he looks like cheap Kenny Omega. Really? Like, or something. I don't know. The referee, not Billy Silverman. Apparently, this Adonis guy, his full name is Anthony Adonis, if you care. And his opponent is Billy... Five. <laughs> <laughs> what a horrible name. Billy Five. That is the worst name. It's so bad. It all sounds fake. Billy Fives. That cannot be real. F-I-V-E-S. There's no way that can be real. Billy Fives. Uh, Adonis attacks him from behind as they need to turn down the fake crowd noise. I'm telling you, it's, it's awful. so loud. It's, it's real so loud. bad. Fucking Billy Fives. Billy Fives. I can't believe it. Leg sweep by Adonis. Bunch of other crap. Fives is back on offense now. Yeah, Fives. <laughs> Looking like Seth Rollins, but with red pants. Yeah. Plancha to the outside. Meanwhile, this whole time, Crispy is like asking Jennifer if she wants to wrestle or she's <laughs> yeah. like, I can try. And for that only, Jen. Now, Chris, tell me a little bit about that. Why, why did he get tossed out of the ring? Fucking Jennifer, man. <laughs> what is this? I keep... That's a recurring comment for the rest. It's like, fucking Jennifer, fucking man. Fucking Jennifer. It's just like, why is she here? It's like Back to the Future 2. Fucking yeah, Jennifer. Seriously. <laughs> Remember when they changed Jennifer to Elizabeth Shue? Yeah, they had to. I always thought that was weird. They had to. Claudia Wells had things to do. I know. There, it's just... There were problems. The fact that there's two movies with fake Jennifer, there's more fake Jennifer than real Jennifer. It's upsetting, yeah. honestly, if you think about it. Yeah. Very I mean, odd. Back in, top rope, Herc and Rana is reversed by Adonis into a powerbomb. Crispy then brags we're going to see more Egg Dome next week. Who gives a shit? Yeah. It's not even the Egg Dome. I know, it's not even the real Egg Dome. Then Chris Cruz references Ken Resnick. So He's I'm still doing things I'm at this point? How is he still around? I love that he just persists, you know what I mean? I like him. I don't mind him. I guarantee you he did something in like 2012 somehow. He no, he probably did, Quinn. Yeah. Seriously. I'm not even surprised. Anyway, the fake cheering is still way too loud as we get some coverage by Adonis for two. Cruz is now wondering when the hell Stan Lane is coming back. So am I. Yeah, Can he we, come back? We, Jennifer is unbearable. No, she's bad. Tornado DDT by Adonis. Non-stop cheering machine. And then finally they add in some booing. I hate this. Long-ass heat segment now by Adonis. Well, Adonis is in control, so I'm sure he'll lose the match. That's what I was thinking, too. It was, like, so too. obvious. Yeah, because it's just... It's just a very bad setup. You know how we always say the walking around offense where nothing's right. going on? It's that. Yeah. And usually you lose usually when you're doing that. Usually the lift-up pin thing. You know Shit what I like mean. Shit like that, yeah. yep. Five's now back in control with a drop kick and a really crappy body Shit slam. Shit slammed. More like it. Shit sandwich. He heads up top and lands a frog splash, a poor one, for the win. So yes, what? Billy Fives won. Billy Fives. The crowd noise ruined any possible enjoyment of this. I'm pretty sure Adonis also kicked out, but I don't even care. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> even the announcers are confused. He's like, I think he kicked out, Jennifer, but oh. <laughs> I don't know what happened. What is this? Yeah. She sounds like she's never seen wrestling before. Yet she worked. It's like one of those people they hired because maybe she's a good, like, executive assistant or something. Like, you know, like somebody that's, like, good at organizing the program. I don't like, think so. the programmer, I, I think guess. she's just pretty. And they're like, you're pretty. You want to be on this? Yeah, okay. But she had the, the terrible shirt on. So Well, they gave her the shirt. Oh, okay. They're all wearing the shirt. I it's see. It's like the uniform. Yeah. You know? Circuit City or something over here. We got mm -hmm. a break anyways. Cruz pro promises to find out what's going on with Stan Lane. Yeah, good, because that means no more Jennifer, yeah. <laughs> right? If we can find Stan Lane. You would think. Uh, but we come back now where Billy Payne and Butch Long are wandering out looking incredibly stupid. Good lord. One of them has a fro and like bushwhack out. It's, <laughs> I've had enough of this. I've had enough of this show. Like, I'm done. Like, this is terrible. It's one of the worst things ever. <laughs> it's so bad. It's really bad. Now, their opponent is the dominator, Fred Ottman. And Unbelievable. 
unfucking believable nice of him to make the trip down to Florida here yeah hey Uncle Fred fat's out looking like Mr. Trigger from Friends or something holy shit is he fat like too. not tugboat fat oh he's like very just big fat. and fat yeah <laughs> he's got like the short mailman haircut the dumpy mustache he's got the typhoon style trunks but without the logo like it's literally the typhoon trunks Singlet, just yeah. they took the airbrush off of yeah. it or whatever terrible why Payne and Long who are nobody and they look like nobody they look like backyard wrestlers yeah. they, they stink they attack him from behind but Fred with a double clothesline Noggin Knocker now is Chris Cruz is still being really weird with Jennifer Hart Jennifer is like is he fighting the two because he's big and Jen and then Cruz just all like all of a sudden for no reason says you're important Jennifer <laughs> it's like, like that's why we have you here like he's like all like, condescending so, please just stop just Please stop with her. Like, I hate the, like, that he's basically flirting with her the whole time. Yeah, and being very just weird. Like, just, I like Crispy Cruz, too. I do, too. Like, I like him a lot. And I can't believe, like, Cruz, I know you're on the boards. I don't know what this character is where you're, like, Jennifer is the best. Jennifer rules, like, the whole time. It's, it's so sarcastic. You yeah. know what I mean? I can't tell what he's going for. Maybe Chris Cruz is mad that he's with Jennifer the whole time. And he's, like, <laughs> he's, he's like going over the top, Maybe. just, like, sabotaging it. Maybe. Crappy double suplex by Fred, and then a hideous single crab on pain but long breaks however fred catches him tosses long into the corner referee still not billy silverman chris cruz tells us to see this live okay where <laughs> yeah when he, i don't he's know just like come see it live they don't have events they haven't hyped a single event which is refreshing for one of these shows <laughs> actually true. to be honest with you usually that's the point of tv yeah. is to hype the events yeah. but they're like no uh anyway typhoon body slams one on top of the other and then sits on them both for the pin horrible 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 Fake crowd noise, by the way, the entire damn match again. Uh, we go to break and we come back now where it's the bodies and Adam Pierce teaming up to face the mystery team. So I guess they're friends now. What the fuck? Horrible. But doesn't Rogers have to be in this match because wasn't he scared? Like, what? I don't know. <sighs> I don't know. But anyway, Ted DiBiase is now at the table with Cruz and Jennifer. It's a slight improvement. Very at least slight. somebody knows how to talk. <laughs> and uh, the big mystery opponents are the Shane brothers who are very just large steroid men. They've wrestled a bunch of places, including WWE in like 06. They're they, not good. Are they the Bashams? No. They're like the Bashams. They're very Basham-like. They're the but, Bashams, but fatter, right? Yeah, they're just bigger or something. <laughs> they're not them, yeah. but they're crappy. Everyone here, Quinn, is indescript, as you would say, except yeah. Adam Pierce. but even he's borderline. It's way too confusing because there's two tag teams where the partners have <laughs> yeah. the same name or something. Look exactly the same. It, it, they look, yeah, exactly. They're like twins or whatever. Yeah. It, it's like four claws fighting each other. It's ridiculous because they don't even say who's who the whole time. So literally, when I was calling this, Joe, like I, on my notes, I was like, Shane fights body. That's all it and is. And then body tags body. And Shane tags Shane, so Shane's fighting body. That's like, essentially what it is, it's, though. It's crazy. You're not even, like, making that up. Right. That's, there's no other names. Yeah. Except Adam Pierce. It's crazy. He doesn't really get in the I match. don't understand. <laughs> Who would do that? <laughs> Shove up by one of the Shanes into one of the bodies. See, now they're talking about politics and wrestling. I hate this. Yeah, I hate, I hate This is horrible, Joe. Cruz brags about how Ted DiBiase was able to get Dan Severn here and how he's won in his... I'm serious. 97 what? separate individual amateur and professional championships. Yeah, and zero people cared. <laughs> like, Dan, no one gave a shit about Dan Severn in pro wrestling. Unfortunate, like, but yeah, it's true. No one bad. did. Wasn't that time he, like, ref the dungeon match or whatever? That was he good. Did? <laughs> that was, like, the one good thing he did. Yeah. Uh, Cruz then tries to get DiBiase to sign Dan Severn to face Fred Ottman. Thrilling. Who fucking <laughs> thought that would be good? Who thought any of this would be good? <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> It's just like literally it's a cash grab because wrestling's popular. That's all it is, but they're doing the, all the things not to do. Bringing in Tugboat? 
he's hot. He's a hot talent. At Barry point, Darso. Though. Look, I love Barry Darso. He's with not my relevant. Heart and soul, but yeah, he's not relevant at this point. Stop. He's even in the blacktop bully gimmick, which hasn't been a thing since 1995. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Anyway, one of the Shane twins misses a hideous elbow by like 19 feet. I cannot wait for this to end. Joe. Same. Bodies with a double backdrop for a one count as DiBiase now bitches about how Lane still isn't back and how that really sucks because Stanley gets paid a lot of money to be doing this. He also says Jennifer has does a ni- has done a nice job filling a spot. I think he meant to say filling a seat. Keeping it warm. Yeah, perhaps. literally. And honestly, Quinn, there's nothing happening in the ring. Seriously, fuck this show. This, this is bad. This match is just nothing. It's just nothing. It's nothing. The crowd chants Larry or something. I don't even know. It Any, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Anyway, one of the Shanes gets the F5 for the win. Thank goodness. I didn't even care that it was an F5. No, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Up here, Sixer breaks out now after the bell. By the way, Quinn, I couldn't tell if Ted DiBiase was a heel or a face. Could I don't you? know. Like, Does yeah, it matter? The whole time he's bitching about like all this, like everything is so fucked up and I don't like it. It's like, why are they being wrestlers? <laughs> like, it's just... Terrible. It's just really poor, right? Yeah. You can't even tell what he is. Right. Anyway, Rogers is back out now to attack Pierce as the bell rings and rings. DiBiase is now very upset about all this flagrant brawling. Right. <laughs> you know? So I want to point something out here that yeah. occurred to me, yeah. like after the fact. So this whole time, DiBiase is like, this is fucked up. Like he can't interfere. He's not in this match or whatever, right? Yeah. But here's the thing is that when he's, he personally scheduled this match, it was Rogers yeah. and Pierce. So Rogers interfering is actually not somebody interfering. He's actually supposed to be in the match. I know, it's so fucked up. What? Like, what? It's so convoluted. It's so weird. Yeah, I know. So actually, Ro- <laughs> Rogers here hits a superplex. As we now have a cameraman backstage in the hallway, running, where Stan Lane is laid out next to a broken chair and a wooden pallet. Hey, there's Stan! There's Stan Lane! Where's Stan? Where's Stan? We well, you found him. There is Stan. Look. Look at the monitor. Commissioner, is that you doing that? Where are you going? I'm going to go. Give us an answer. What even is this? Somebody attacked him. Who cares? I don't know. I don't. Yeah. But we now fade away as Chris Cruz just yells us off the air. Uh, overall, no. This was very embarrassing, Joe. I never, ever want to see this promotion ever again. This was, this was just bad. But like bad and all like not entertaining. All the wrong ways. All it just it wasn't boring bad because nope. it was like it was kind of fascinating how bad it was. Yep. But it sucked ass. Tell you what, Quinn, the best part of this whole thing, not only was this episode three, it was also the final episode. What? This is it. Wait. Excuse me. They taped three episodes in one shot. In one shot here in Lakeland. Why would they end with the cliffhanger then? Because they didn't know that they were gonna get like not able to do more. They they were, apparently they were supposed to do another set of tapings. Did they think in Orlando that if somebody bought this show, right, that they would be like, well, we want to find out what happens next, so that's why they would purchase a contract with them. I bet you that's part of it. Apparently, like we got to end with a cliffhanger. Stan, it's, it be, everyone cares about Stan so much. They love Stan, right? Uh, apparently, from what I understand, and I don't have any recollection of this because it was so short, right, in January right. two thousand, when there was much more important things going on, like the radicals jumping to WWF, right, right. and all that stuff, Russo getting let go of WCW. Mm-hmm. A lot of other stuff was going on, right? Apparently, though, there was a running joke on the internet of who attacked Stan Lane. Like that lingered on for a while. Oh, that's funny. A because, facetious yeah. joke. Yeah, well, it is a big mystery. I'm never going to know. No. So if you know out there, folks, if anyone can get in touch with Harvey Firestein or whoever the owner was or Ted DiBiase, maybe. We, maybe we can ask Stan Lane, him, Stan, what happened. Yeah, who attacked you? Because he can at least, re- I, I'm sure it's not breaking kayfabe at this point because. And we asked Chris Cruz. Yeah. I mean, he would know. Oh, Chris might know the mystery. And who the hell Jennifer Hart was. Uh, but <sighs> really, Hart. it's it's just sad, Quinn, that 
Ted DiBiase was, you know, obviously one half of the greatest tag team ever. Right. And one of the best wrestlers ever. Would have been only right if he had his own company, right? But, and it just didn't work out. But thank you, Chris Kessie, or Kess, or Keskase. Keskase. This sucked. I can't even elaborate and articulate how bad this was. It's, it's really everything wrong. It's actually one of those where, like, I rarely suggest bad stuff, but it's 42 minutes or whatever, and it's fascinating how bad it is. It's awful. Yeah. It is so unbelievably horrible in yeah. all the wrong ways that you should watch it. It's one of those, yeah. It's, it's one not, of those. It's not boring bad. It's no. like interesting bad. It's not a waste of your time. Yeah. So thank you for the suggestion. And Quinn, that'll call it a week for uh, for us here on 189, right? Episode number 189 is in the books, Michael 189! Quinn. Thank you very much. You know, they needed to hear that one last one, time. One to go out, right? And speaking of one to go out, folks, next week it is the finale. That'll do it for this season. So we will be finalizing the flush of talkers. That'll be a lot of fun. The final up-and-comer will be making his way out, and we'll be reviewing something. Until that time, please follow us on Twitter. If you don't yet, you can email us, join the group, and if you want to donate for the more stuff, you do that on patreon.com slash OVP podcast. But until next week for 190, I'm Joe Murata. That's Michael Quinn. Who attacks Stan Lane? We're out of here. See ya. Mike Barton, my partner who knocked out Doc, are in the WXO. We made a move from the land of the rising sun to the WXO, and we are the movement, and when we hit that ring, you're going to feel the power. We want the tag team straps, and we are the movement. Don't forget it. WXO, what's the X stand for? We don't know, and we don't care.